0: Hey, I'm Todd Knock, and you're listening to 11 O'Clock Comics.
1: Nice. Nice. It was smooth sailing there. The SS Wood did not bump into your iceberg. Nah. I don't want yeah. to mess you up tonight. Yeah. That's... It's tender. Very tender. That's right. The gentle caress <laughs> of Jason Miller. Can we have a long intro
2: tonight?
1: Uh, relatively, about a minute and a half.
2: Uh, yeah,
1: that's a long way. I'll tell you what, this shit on flipper Flop is crazy. What
2: the hell is flipper Flop? Oh, no, I was just going to do that. what? Yeah, you don't like it. Oh, I love oh, I'm not talking
0: about
1: what she's got to say, dude. <laughs> yes, I know. You guys you guys know I don't watch the Game of Thrones. Yes. Ma'am. Uh it, dis- I- it disappoints me greatly, but yes. I gotta say, the chick with the shaved head on the one side. Well, she's, she's shaved
0: di- now
3: because of Hunger Games.
1: Oh. Yes, she's just she's not.
3: Nat- Natalie Dormer isn't shaved in
1: on the show. I like her. There. But actually, no. I like her a lot.
3: Yeah, she's she's a fucking naughty.
1: She get all naked on the show.
3: She she showed tits in the first season, Jason. Or second. Uh, wait, which, which one is Which she? Which she married Renly.
4: Oh, yeah,
0: the, her. Yeah, the. I would say the, was in the first season. Right I'm uh, thinking first yeah, season. Uh, yeah.
4: Second season, I think that is because she's maybe uh, it
0: is the second season because they're in the middle of the war.
4: Right. Yeah. Because she's yeah. Uh, she was on. But well, when show did when did Stannis send out the? <laughs> she's on the show with what? The fat king Henry the well, she
3: she's she's Moriarty on on Elementary. She was oh, on she this is? British show called Silk. Wait, she's, she's I- Moriarty? She's Irene Adler. But yes.
0: Oh, dude, I might huh. I might actually I I might have to watch it now.
3: Um, and uh so she was on that. She was on this British show called Silk, which is uh, about um uh like uh, power uh, power. uh barristers uh being promoted to it it. it it sounds very, very dry, but, but the, the way it's played out is pretty interesting. And, and she plays someone who's trying to get a, uh, her foot in the door. She, she, she's a rookie and, and she, she's good in that. And I, she, there isn't a lot that I've seen her in that, that I thought she was bad in. And, and
0: yeah, I, she's very
3: easy on the eyes. I could just watch her all day.
0: And she's way older than you think she is. She's 32, yeah. dude. Yeah. It's nuts. Uh, she looks like she's 22. She's That's so
3: crazy. cute with that fucking smirk. No, nah, no, nah, well no, 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 yeah. Okay, we gotta talk about something else.
0: No, nah, she's crazy hot. Huh? By the way, she was in the Tudor, she gets nude a lot. So yes. if you want to see
1: her nude.
3: That girl. is, is that what you were talking about, That?
1: Yes,
0: the uh, Fat King. Okay.
1: Is she in anything worth watching? Well, Game of
3: Thrones? Besides Game of Thrones? Oh, And, the, and, I can't. and a few episodes of Elementary?
1: What's this Tudor stuff? Is that the thing that was but on there, Showtime? It's, even, it's, it's, yeah. it's
0: dry as shit, yeah.
1: Wow. I didn't. I, it, didn't like, is there... I
0: didn't like tutors, but every now and then I'd I'd flip through the channels and I'd see her, and I'd, it would it would draw me in for a few minutes. <laughs> Isn't
1: idea. there like a best of nudie reel that I can watch and yeah, skip all the Mr. Skin? ah, yeah. oh, <laughs> just <laughs> <laughs> hey, there we go. Hey everybody, eleven o'clock comics episode three hundred and eighteen. This has been this is a carefully planned episode, right to the teeth. We worked on this one a long time. I'm excited, and I'm Vince B.
3: You are excited. And uh, I
0: am David A. Price. Yep. Don't call me Benson. I'm Robert Guillaume.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. No, you're not. You're not Robert Guillaume. You're Jason Wood, everybody in the house. And we have a guest with us this week. Hey. Yes, he's a writer. He's a teacher. He is a philosophizer. He's a skeptic. He's one of our best friends. I I call him the Z Pack because he's he's gonna cure what ails you. His name's Zach Crusie.
4: Hey, how are you? Hi. What's the sir? good word, sir? All the words are good right now.
1: I I also forgot he's a convention organizer. That's true. I did. Because we heard very good things about some show that you just had. I forget the name of it, but I'm sure you'll tell us all about sure. it. Yes.
4: Yeah, no, it, it it went super great. It went it went really well. So, but I'm and excited that's all, to be folks.
3: Here.
4: That's the end. Well, <laughs> see you later. Wow, I've got to get back to my helicopter. So,
1: uh-huh. and you don't have to digitally stimulate Sorenko on the back of a limousine to get cheap comic books. <laughs> all you got to do is head on over to Discount Comic Book Service, DCPService.com, where you and all your friends and everybody you're related to can get comics really, really cheap, thirty-five to seventy-five. Well. Up there, it gets really, really steep de- discounts, such as, this is the last time you're going to be hearing me say this, because the discounts will cycle next, uh, maybe next show. From Image, what? It's the Deadly Class Trade, Volume 1, Reagan Youth, Rick Remender, Wesley Craig, Lee Lowridge, from Image, first collection $9.99, very respectable price. That's not bad, but you can get it for half that at DCBS, $4.99. Keep your eye out for Will Pfeiffer, another great guy. He's doing a team book. What's it called, David? Teen Titans. Teen Titans. Number one Teen coming Titans. out with with Kenneth Roquefort on art. My God, it's going to be beautiful. Cover price, $2.99. Your price, $1.49. That's 50% off. And... Last but not least, I should switch these around. You should. Sometime. I should. This should have been first. From IDW, Tom Sholey and John Barber are bringing you the Transformers versus the the G.I. Joes with Tom Scholey on visuals. And, man, they're stunning. I think this is the book for him. This is what he was always meant to do. Not that the other stuff sucks because (sighs) it doesn't. I love it all. But I'm just saying, he seems to be particularly energized for this project. He's pretty giddy. He is. And I would be too if I were he. Him? If I was that Tom Scholey. If I was Tom Schole, I would be doing this dog and pony show. That's for damn sure I'd be out there making comics. But anyway, cover price, three ninety nine. Comics now, or whatever. Your price <laughs> Stop it. A dollar ninety-nine. That's fifty percent off. DCB service does not mind late orders sneaking under the wire. And they don't mind order editions, because I do it all the time. And you can get your previews really, really cheap, a dollar twelve cents. DCB service dot com. Go there. Yes. Do it
0: upside. Yes. Go there. Who's got thank yous? Nobody. Uh really? I do speak. You make it? it for everybody now. Ooh. No.
3: I do never do. I can't. Never, never that. Uh no, this is a comic related. Actually this 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 arrived in the mail today. This was a um a complete and utter surprise. What I tend to do when I um when, when I cut the grass, when I'm not listening to podcasts, when I'm doing any yard work or shoveling in the winter, shit like that, I just load a bunch of songs on whatever I device is handy and have a playlist so that I can do the shit I need to do. And, um, our buddy, Chicago pal, uh, Eric Walsh, Southside Eric, he, uh, I ran down a bunch of, artists musicians that i listened to a couple of weeks ago um and he was like well where, where's stevie ray vaughn and i had to explain to him that that is a blind spot i have absolutely no stevie ray vaughn in my library and um he rectified that today by sending me a a box set of three cds and a dvd which i will be listening to soon so thank you very much eric wow interesting
1: did you ever hear the story about Stevie Ray and David Bowie on the Sirius Moonlight tour? I missed that one. It's disgusting. Go, go Google it one of these days. Go, go Google. All right. Gotcha. Yeah. Bowie paid one of the greatest guitarists in history wage to be on tour oh. with him. Yeah. Yeah. He was a real prick. It
2: was. Yeah. Like, yeah. That's Bowie. That's Bowie that's was
1: that's a prick. <laughs> yeah. Not that. Of course he probably did it to Adrian Ballou too, but I don't know that story, but uh, i I know the Stevie Ray story and it, it's not, it's not good. Cool. Yeah. Yeah, my boy is a businessman. Let's not pull it down. Let's pull it up. That's my boy.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so I have a little shout out. Thank you. Nice. Uh, I received today a phenomenal commission from Mister Daniel Warren Johnson. Whoop. And for those of you that don't know him, I will hasten to say that you will certainly know him. I would say in the next six to twelve months, we've got a pretty good track record around here of um, of sussing out the. The new hotness, and I think he is definitely uh, on the short list of guys that will be really well known uh, in the yeah. in the near near future. But just as a shout out to him, um, y- you he does a. Um, I first came across him because somebody pointed out his webcomic to me, which is uh, called Space Mullet. that was Scotty. Uh, yes, I think exactly it was Scotty. That's correct. Yep, Space Dash Mullet. Um, and you can find that at uh wwwspace mulletcom uh and you can also reach him or follow him on twitter at daniel warren art but uh number one the comic is awesome and i think after you take a chance at reading it and looking at the udemus art you will probably want to own some of his art if you're into that sort of thing so uh much love daniel for the commission and uh y'all need to gets gets to know this dude quickly
1: Getting to know you. Whoa,
0: look at you singing.
1: <laughs>
0: Somewhere right now, Alan's panties are dropping.
1: <laughs> like he listens. Yeah. Like
0: he listens Alan, anymore. Oh, he's not even.
1: He seriously so... needs to let go. Wait, huh? He was going. He, he was the way he, he posts pictures of people like on the subway and saying, this guy really disturbed me. Like, you need to back up. I a bit. <laughs> you, you're gonna If he doesn't have ulcers, <laughs> he's going to have them soon.
0: I got his back. Then. Wasn't a dude like all nasty with with no shoes on in the middle of the subway?
1: He had sandals on. What's wrong with that? Oh, he did. Oh, okay. Yeah, no, like the kind with that with the flip flops that go the one piece that go on your toe between your big toe and your next toe. There's no like place Zach- for those on
0: grown Man. but that's
1: that's <laughs> ah, uh, I don't. I
0: agree with you
3: definitely.
4: It's not. footwear. Wow. Zach, Zach, do you have
1: any thank yous? No, I don't have any
4: thank yous. I don't have anyone to thank for anything.
1: No, I think you do. Screw. But anyway, we'll get into that later. I
4: What's what's Zach drinking though? Uh, I am drinking water now, but before this, I was drinking a Bell's Two-Hearted, which is a delicious beer from the Bell's Brewery in Comstock, car, Michigan.
0: Way back home? Okay, cool. Yes. You used yes. to hit the pause button so you can go and get something other than water? Yeah, man, I'm, I just,
3: wait, gonna man, I'm man. guessing, I'm guessing Jason doesn't have Diet Dr. Pepper tonight, then. <laughs>
0: uh, no, I don't. I knew what Zach was coming. I'm drinking the, the... America's oldest brew. Oh Yanglang. The Yanglang. But it's not just regular Yanglang, it's Yanglang Light Lager. (laughs) Oh no, I don't like the light. I love it. Love it. It tastes like
1: pee pee. It's (laughs) so it's it's too light.
0: (laughs) No, dude, ninety (laughs) nine calories and a bitch ain't one.
1: Yeah, but you should be drinking the black and tan. That that's the flavor mess. Dude,
0: only eight grams of carbs, dude. It's butamus.
1: I don't worry about no carbs. That's because you're all super thin, man. Wow, that is true. I wouldn't be if I didn't run it off. But anyway, I'm drinking water. Take it away, oh, David. Uh, well, I knew Zach was now coming. Now I knew why yeah. two lovers. <laughs> <laughs>
4: it's true. It's true. That's what first attracted me to Vince was his love of water. <laughs> <laughs> I just looked at him. I was like, God, I really want to be the oxygen for that guy's two <laughs> hydrogens. <in me.">
1: Jeez. <laughs> The intelligent <laughs> asshole again. <laughs> <laughs> Very nice. From Jake,
4: the
3: roots about? of the Andes, I am uh drinking some Anacena from Chile. It's a uh Merlot, bottled in 2011.
1: Anaconda? As I said, it almost sounds like Star Wars. Anacena.
3: Anacena. A-N-A-K-E-N-A.
0: Anaconda? Dude, I watched Anaconda with the boys last week. I'm not kidding.
1: Uh, it's a terrible <laughs> movie. It is terrible. terrible, but
0: it's one of those J-Lo. movies though that's terrible, but you forget how many super high-end A-list actors were in that thing.
1: Uh, yep. 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 Ice
0: Cube. Well, yes, he was big. I mean, yes, but, uh, J-Lo's up in there, John Voight, um, Broken Nose. <laughs> John Voight. Well, Broken Nose, um, uh Wilson, what's his name? Uh oh, oh, Wilson. Wilson. Oh, yeah, yeah, Wilson. Yeah. Uh, yeah. a lot of other. I got it offhand, but there were. It's like every
1: person in that movie. You're like, what? He's in this movie? It's crazy. Yep. I think there's a couple of them too. There's more than one. Oh, Anaconda. Ashley
3: Judd's in it. It was. It was. It was this generation's um, outsiders. Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> uh, uh, I don't know about that. See, I gotta put the anaconda in the show notes now. <laughs> <laughs> we spent we spent a little bit of time on it.
0: Well, you know, I mean, my my anaconda it's not, it's not don't that. want none unless it's got buns, hun. There so. you go.
1: Mine's like the 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 sword. It's gotta taste blood. You can, or you can do one, side bends us.
0: or, or sit ups, but uh, just you know, please
1: don't lose that butt. <sighs> Zach. <laughs> now, now you you just pulled off something, from what I hear, pretty incredible. Uh, <laughs> last weekend was it? None of us uh, were there to support way pants. Two weeks, ago. Good two weeks ago you, you had the Appleseed Con yeah, and I hear almost unanimous accolades for what you done did. So I want to hear about was it. Was
3: this the first time it was two days?
4: Yes. That's the first time. Did, that's why I did the Kickstarter, um, was to make sure that everything was all set for the two days. Um, well, that was a big part of the reason anyway. Uh, but yeah, no, this was the first time I did two days and I was really actually super nervous about doing two days because I just didn't know how the second day was going to go. Um,
0: so it was Saturday yeah. Sunday.
4: Yeah, Saturday Sunday. Mm-hmm. And um Saturday was Saturday was really pretty busy. Saturday between the two days uh I I uh, roughly I doubled my adult attendance. I'm not sure what the kids are at this point, but um so that's pretty good because we had people coming back. Obviously we had people who bought two-day passes. So mm-hmm. so between both days, I mean, I'm actually really stoked about that, about those numbers so far. That's great. Man. Uh, uh yeah, thank you. Um, but yeah, no, it, it went really, really well, almost without a hitch. The only thing that, um, the only thing that really kind of got screwed up in the, in all the mix was, um, was Starenko's flight not getting in. So he missed the dinner with Starenko thing, um, which is fine. I mean, it wasn't his fault. There's nothing we can do about it. But, but that dinner was great though, because it, because that, that dinner, Starenko's not there, but it's at, at the table I was sitting at, it's me, Norton, Pete Bag, and um and Sean Dove, and a handful of other people, just and Tom Kelly, uh, just talking about whatever, and just basically just spending that dinner with Peter Bag was easily like one of the highlights of my life. Um, he's he he he's a, he's an interesting cat. Like he's. I wouldn't say he has like a he doesn't have like a low view of himself, but he doesn't carry himself. Let me put it this way: he doesn't carry himself in the same way that Stranko carries himself. Um, Ah, um,
1: he doesn't speak his name in the third person. Yeah,
4: he doesn't refer to himself in the third person. You know, he's but he's just open and kind and like honestly, hanging out and talking to him was just like talking to any one of you guys. Just sitting there talking comics, like, oh yeah, I remember this or I did this and you know, blah 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 or. I loved this band or I saw so-and-so back in, you know, 1996 and they were the biggest piece of shit you ever saw in your life. But, then I saw them again in 98 and they were amazing. It was that kind of conversation and it was great. And, um, and then, uh, and then it got down to me and, uh, Pete and, uh, and Norton talking a little bit about Ditko stuff, which was really fun. Cause Mike's a big Ditko fan too. So, um, so that was cool. That was, that was really great. And, um,
1: so wait, so you're at dinner with with Pete Beck. Mm-hmm. What do you talk about? Or, or is it is it one of those what don't you talk? about? It
4: was more like a what don't you talk about? I mean, to be honest, like we talked very little. We talked a little bit about comics, but most of the conversation was about just music and just general life things. That's what I'm saying. It was like getting together with any one of you guys and just hanging out and having a good mm-hmm. dinner and you know throwing back however many beers we threw back and just talking about you know all of the things and it was just relaxed um it didn't like contrast that to saturday night when uh when i ate with Starenko, where he's (laughs) where he's basically just like holding court and like you just sort of sit and listen and he's explaining you know i did this i knew this guy and we did this together you know whatever um so peter was awesome like
1: <laughs> well, <yeah. laughs> this, read between the yes, lines. Re, no. re,
4: but, read between all of those lines. Yeah,
1: but you do right. have to give the man his due. I mean, Steranko certainly has earned that kind of treatment. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. I'm not for his for his six or seven comics that he's done in his history. Right. Uh, no, seriously though, he's great. Yeah, yeah. He's amazing. Yeah, it's, it's,
4: well, it's it's just a it's a different kind of conversation. He's a different kind of creator though too. I mean, he created different kinds of works where. You know, a lot of bag stuff is more subdued. He's doing things that are mostly just for him or because, you know, these are the topics, these are the characters that he really cares about, you know, and that sort of thing. Where I feel like with Staranko, like he really loved a lot of those characters and he really, he pours himself into them, but, you know, you can't, you can't tell me, no one could tell me, and I don't think any of you guys would say this either, but you can't read, you know, an issue of hate and then an issue of, you know, uh, Stranko's Captain America stuff or whatever. Oh, yeah, these are definitely comparable. You can just interchange these. And I mean, it's a. Yeah. I mean, um, I think their work, their work is representative of who they are as people. I put it that way.
1: Right. Have you ever read Stranko's history of the comics? Uh, no, no, I've yeah, I've never read it. So the, the the man loves the pulp heroes. Yeah, love loves them. I mean, he is. I don't know if he. If he I'm sure he still has the 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 all that information retained. But if if you want to learn anything about where comics came from, you need to read Storanko's History of the Comics. It is just an amazing. There's two volumes, right? And I mean buy them for the covers. The covers are remarkable wrap-around covers. They're gorgeous.
4: Yeah, and we actually, well, that was, we talked about both of those things. Saturday night um, when I was there with he and Hillary and uh, Tom Scholey, um, you know, we talked a lot about uh, about the Shadow and the Spider and that sort of thing, you know, and the, their direct influence. In it. Uh, but uh, that was another thing I asked him about, though. So Sunday, I know I'm jumping around in the time timeline here, but No, that's cool. Sunday, before he left, he and I just had a dinner together. Just me and Starenko went out to eat. Oh, man. uh, So, and you know, like I said, I've I've not read the history of the comics, but I'm aware of it. I've got a pretty good idea of what's in there. Um, And so I'm talking to him, and I asked him, I was like, so, you know, you only did the two volumes. I said, "I, I know you had future volumes planned, but they never materialized. But I was like, so, you know, what would you have changed... If you if you were writing that history of comics today, what would you do differently? Is there anyone like you felt like got short shrift or you would have spent more time with or anything like that? And um, he said, he's like, I wouldn't have changed anything. He said, if you read those things, you know, they're all very positive. And he said, there's enough. And I agree with him. He said, you know, there's enough um, shit talking in comics that goes on. And enough dirty laundry that I don't need to air it. So I'd rather just keep everything positive. Even if that's putting a gloss on things, Aww. I'd rather just keep it positive to share, you know, what's, what's great about the medium and what's great about its history and that sort of thing. It's like, okay, yeah, yeah. I mean, that I mean, it's a good answer, it, it, but I don't know. It's, it's not, it's not what I was, not what I was trying to pull out of him. Right. Um But then he started talking about Jack Cole and Cole's plastic man. And I think that that's, he didn't say it directly, but I think that's the one one of the people he felt like he should have covered more was Cole's was Cole and his work on Plastic Man and how important that figure was and really how hilarious that comic is and still is, um, as compared to a lot of the later iterations of of um of the character. And he specifically brought up um Kyle Baker's run on it in comparison. And um uh was He was very, he was very magnanimous and favorable towards Kyle Baker. The artist was not so hot on Mm -hmm. that plastic man run. He said, he said it was, it was ridiculous and it was nothing like Kohl's and you know, didn't hold a candle to the Kohl stuff did. I don't know if that was necessarily the point of the Baker stuff, but, um, but anyway, so that, I think that was the one, that was the one thing I got out of him where he felt like he probably would have, he would do it differently if he was doing it now, you know, 40 years later. So. Um, but yeah, and he was just, he's just a super interesting cat to hang out with. And, Mm -hmm. uh, everything he had to say was, it seemed almost everything he had to say seemed important. And, and I don't know if that's just because of like his, who he is, it makes it sound important, even if it's just sort of a something in passing. And I think that's part of it. Um,
1: but I think Steranko has a huge, um, similarity to, uh, Andy Warhol. Yeah. Because, because Andy was like, the, the art doesn't end on the canvas. Right. It, you're, you're, you're you're selling the, the artist, not so much the art. And I think Staranko, not to cut his ability short, because he certainly has it, but when you buy a Staranko, you're buying a Staranko. Yeah. When when you, when you hire a Staranko, you know what I mean? You're, you're hiring the person, not so much the history of the person well yeah i guess you are but that that whole cult of personality like andy i think that's very much
4: but he's part of that whole group that's andy warhol Saul bass pop artist type thing you know
1: right right now i noticed something on the facebooks does neil adams's um feed or whatever you call it his his identity on the facebook he has someone else Set those, put those out, and they say it. It it almost seems like he's speaking in the third person again. Oh, yeah. Like it'll it'll say Neil Adams is thinking about starting a new. You know what I mean? It's always it's like that. It just reads really strange, but not strange considering the source.
4: Well, yeah. I mean, Neil Adams is well, he's Neil Adams, but. There's a really fantastic interview with him too, out uh, in a magazine that Tomorrow's put out, and the title of which escapes me. But it's bizarre, anyway. Um, really <laughs> bizarre. Um, but yeah, the, but Stranko, though, I mean that all that Twitter stuff—that's him. That's just him
1: for real. Yeah. That
4: is, really him. is him. Yeah, it's 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 him. He pumps it all out and um, does it on his own. Um, I don't know if he's if I don't think he I don't think he sets auto tweets. He might set auto tweets, but he doesn't do it like uh that far in advance if he does because he told me basically like everything he told me that he would tweet about the show after he got back to um Pennsylvania was what he did so uh i don't know that he's feeding information to somebody else and having them tell the stories or not but i'm i mean that, that, that's him and that's and, and the thing is and and that those, i mean those are the hours that he keeps too I mean, he works like 9 PM to 9 AM and then like sleeps for two hours during the day. eats one meal and then supplements the meals with like cranberry juice or
0: something. What? Yeah. He, uh, he, wait he, a minute. So, so when you say he works, what, what do you mean by that? He, does he make his living like doing commissions now or what do you mean by working? Uh,
4: he's, it's a little, it's a little sketchy on exactly what <laughs> it is. Uh, I'm not going to, I mean, Stunned. I'm not going to pretend, pretend that I know what it is cause I don't. Um, But my guess is, is that he's still doing design work for people. He's probably still doing graphic design work and he's probably still working as a visual consultant for um, feature films Um, and uh, along with his appearances and all that kind of stuff.
1: Would you say Steranko, at least among the comics community, is one of the most widely known and respected artists with the smallest body of work that we've seen? Has to be right. Yes. Yeah. To, he
4: only he only made twenty nine comics, right?
0: You know what? That that'd be an interesting topic to to spitball about. Like who who else fits that bill? I mean, Art Adams comes to mind. Yeah. He, he he didn't do very much. I mean, really, for how much we all love him and the legendary status that he has, he he hasn't done that many comics either, especially interiors. No. It's true. I mean, but I would put Stranko, Stranko. would be at the top of any like if someone had live tweeted us that a question who who fits that bill. I mean, Stranko I think would have been top of mind, right? He has to be. I think so. I mean,
4: even if just just in terms of like longevity and long term impact on on the medium. I mean, forget about forget about just like small body of work universally loved, right? I mean, that's an important component of it, but or almost universally loved. That's an important component, but, like, I mean, Art Adams, I think, is brilliant, and I love Art Adams' stuff, but I kind of have to wonder if, 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 30 years from now, if we're going to be looking at Art Adams in the same way that we look at Starenko as someone who was, like, a legitimate game-changer for comics,
1: mm-hmm. right? And, I mean, there, there's guys that have been taken away far too soon, like Seth Fisher. Oh, sure. and That have a small body of work and are almost universally praised, mm-hmm. but you, you can't compare... Someone like that to Steranko, who, you know, is still working, but it's just he's just not making comics. Right. right. So who uh, else would you put in there? I, I'm trying to think. I, the, the only one that could come to mind would be um, Fisher because mm-hmm. he's passed. Well, I think but, uh, um,
0: I think uh, 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 Dave Stevens would be up there. Yeah. Ooh, um Stevens would be up there.
1: Um, Meta Barons, Dark Stars. Uh, Travis, Travis Cheray. Mm. Yes,
0: that's a good one. Yeah, that's an excellent one. Uh, yes. Uh, I don't know if I would. He'd probably be toward the bottom of the list, but he definitely popped into my mind when we started talking about this. Would be Adam Hughes. Yeah. Again, just because yeah. he does a lot of covers, but like yeah. he he's done so few interiors, and yet he, his his imagery, I guess, is so iconic that he makes, from what I understand, to be a ridiculously good living doing doing commissions for people. I mean, he just he basically can charge an obscene amount of money for people's commissions. And I know art items is the same way. He he's going to be at Heroes, Wood woot, woot <laughs> as well, David and I, and, um, and, and I, I forget where I heard it. He was on a podcast a couple of years back. I don't remember which one. So apologies if whoever it was, I, I don't, don't mean to be dissing you, but, but I remember him saying he basically, cause people, you know, they were in a nice way asking, Hey art, how do you make your living? Cause you don't, you, know, you don't, you don't do very many comics. And uh, he makes his living doing commissions, and his commissions are astounding amounts of money i mean thousands of dollars and and he has an unending list of them he said he he's always backed up
1: many 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 months so yeah,
0: who, who
3: did, uh, uh, uh,
1: i'm sure you've you've seen that um f- uh four pan four page uh, multiverse shattering image that art Adams just did I, It it w- it was on bleeding cool it's huge. And it features, I think they said, every Marvel character.
3: do not surprise me.
1: And if he could do something like that, I don't think he's as slow as legend uh, would have us believe. I think he's just meticulous. Doesn't do a whole lot of work, but the work that he does, I mean, if he can kick that four-page thing out, I mean, God knows how long he's been working on it, but I'm just saying, it's an incredibly detailed piece, but he's producing you know, and I'm, I'm wondering how much he got paid for that.
3: Who did, who, who did you say before, Jason? After, after we first brought up Stranco.
0: Uh, I said Dave
3: Stevens. Mm-hmm. Okay. I was, yeah. um Alex Ross.
0: Yeah, yeah, well, you know that, you know what I think a lot of these guys have in common is they do covers, right? So, right. Yeah. As soon as you said Adam Hughes, that's who I thought of. Yep. I
3: know he's done, he did Justice, he, he, he did Kingdom Come and Marvels, and and I mean, he's, he's done pencils here and there, layouts, and Planet X, things like that, where he was part of it. But, mm-hmm. I, he hasn't really done a whole lot of interiors.
1: I think we're better off with, with, uh, Alex on the covers. I agree. I agree. Yeah.
0: Also, uh, yeah. another one for you, uh, Brian Boland. Yes, yeah. well, you know, that's he, a good. One. I don't even know how many into, in how many comics he did in total, but it wasn't that many. I mean, really,
1: on this side,
0: right? So this thing, yeah, part. I mean, there's been some Judge
4: Dredd and some 2000 AD stuff, but mm-hmm. um, most. Are you, yeah are, you, are we thinking only? Oh, are we thinking only people who produce primarily for the big two? No, no. Oh, no. dude,
0: wait! Oh, how what? could I forget one of my favorite Mike Zek. Yeah. Oh man, Zeck stuff. I mean, Zek hasn't done that much, really. I mean. He honestly hasn't.
4: Well if we I mean if we're if we're like broadening like how we want to look at this, I mean and I'm not saying this just to just to you know stroke Vince, but I mean I think Panner's up there too. Um Is he not prolific? Sh- uh No he. He's, go ahead. No, 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 you go. He's yeah, go. No, I was gonna say, I mean he, I mean he he's still producing work. I mean he's not tremendously prolific, but I mean he's not someone that's you know, he's not he's not like Kirby producing you know, how, what, however many thousands of pages Kirby produced in a year or something like that, you know, or, or even, like, what we, ex- or, like, he's not like Mike Norton putting out the, you know, that, uh, having that kind of output. But but it, even though he has a relatively small audience and all that sort of thing, I mean, he's someone who has a huge, like Steranko, has had a huge cultural impact, whether people know it or not. Yeah, mm, for real. And, and to me, that carries as much weight as, I mean, I'm looking at this Art Adams' Original Sin thing. I mean, that's a gorgeous piece. But, I mean, for as beautiful as that is, I mean, I'll take the one thing that Panter kind of got hosed on for Pee-wee's, for Pee-wee's Playhouse as a, as a cultural relic and, a, like, an iconic piece of Americana. Yeah. For that.
1: Yeah. But, I mean, if you stacked up all of Panther's work. You know, the Jimbo stuff and even Dal Tokyo and Cola Madness. If you, there's not a whole lot of pages there. But that's his, his, the other aspects of his, um, creation come into it, like Pee-Wee and, and uh, the music and and all the stuff he's, he's done. Yeah, the guy's a, he's a force. Yeah. I
4: mean, to me, I mean, that's, I mean, to me, that's even more being a sort of like a cultural force is even more powerful than just the body of work, you know, big bigger, or smaller, or even the quality of one or two pieces. I mean, just being that person that changes the way people look at something for at least a generation. And I, yeah. I mean, that's the big thing to me. And that's definitely what Steranko did. And I think, but in fairness though to, you know, um, to other folks like Adam Hughes, I mean, Adam Hughes, I think changed the way that we look at comic book covers too. Sure. And same with, uh, same with Ross and, and a few others. So, I mean, so they, well, they, gonna... they make their mark too.
1: If you're going down that road, Spiegelman hasn't produced a hell of a lot of work either.
0: <laughs> That's an excellent one.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it's just that the ones, the, what he That's has true, produced, yeah. he got a Yeah, uh, you're
0: right. In fact, uh, on, uh, No Apologies a while back, they, they were doing a little discussion about, uh, the favorite, I don't know if it was favorite, but it was their, their, their discussion of who they thought were the, the most important comic book writers of all time. And, uh, Tom King being the smart bastard of the DS brought Spiegelman. And, uh, and, uh, a lot of, a lot of the guys are like, well, you know, other than, you know, mouse, mouse, like, what did he do? And the point was it got into discussion of like, but mouse is mouse. Like it doesn't like, mm-hmm. it's, like drop the mic, you know, like you don't have to, you don't have to have done much else to, to have a place in the right. pantheon with when, when the, what you did was mouse.
1: Yeah. I mean, he has other comics. It's just that that will, that's going to be his epitaph. Yeah. Yeah.
4: But even mm. but even beyond the Mouse stuff, I mean all the stuff he did with Raw Magazine may also yep. makes a big impact. Not that it doesn't create the the shock waves that Mouse did, but mm. it's really it's a really important part of comics history.
1: I agree. You are you are correct, sir.
0: So so he ran he ran I mean he was Steranko was Steranko. Mm-hmm. Um now were like did the other creators that you had at the show were they engaged and mesmerized by the dude too? I mean, does he carry that kind of,
4: yeah, he definitely, he definitely carries that kind of cash. Um, Did he have an ascot on? He did not, but, but he did wear an amazing cream suit with a turtleneck on Saturday. Of course. Um, But yeah, no, I, I think everybody was, everybody wanted to see him who hadn't met him before. Um, I mean, I know Mike went over uh, and talked to him and this is this is great and i'm sure mike could relate this better than i could but i was i was standing there and mike comes over and says mr starenko i just wanted to thank you for your body work and you know mike being norton just just joking and says i've ripped you off so many times and <laughs> as, and as he does that is like shaking his hand and like His hand just turns into a vice and like will not let Mike go. And like his, like Mike tries to like pull his hand back and Stranko like yanks him forward and like starts shaking his (laughs) hand even more vigorously. Mm -hmm. And, um, which is, I mean, and Mike was kind of, you know, not threatened, but he's like, this, this hurts. And Stranko is literally half Mike's height. So, um, so that was funny, but no, we, you know, I, I, most, most people were, and uh Saturday night when we went out to dinner when um when he was holding court at his end of the table, I mean um Hillary and I and uh Jim Terry and Tom Shuly were just sitting there just kinda listening and learning and um you know, it it was mostly it was mostly Hillary Hillary uh with the really great probing questions about, you know, what Jim knew and what he did, you know, in terms of uh you know what he did with Spielberg, what he did for, with Coppola and talking about film noir and then bringing it back to comics and all those sorts of things. Um, yeah, Hillary really carried that. And, uh, and then Tom and Tom and I would interject as we had things to say. Um, but, uh, but then later on, you know, a few other people sort of floated up and just sort of sat and listened. Like Ryan Brown came by and just sort of sat and listened, was asking questions when we were talking about Mad Max and, um, All sorts of crazy stuff. So yeah, I mean, I think I think that he just has this sort of magnetism about him that everybody knows who he is, and even if they are not really interested in spending time with him or hanging out with him, there's a certain amount of tribute to be paid, as it were. I don't, I didn't see too many people not stop by his table to at least say hello and thank you and shake hands and all that sort of thing.
0: That's awesome.
4: yeah, and and that's across the board too. I think the the only people that I, that did not do it that were creators, I think, were the the padawans of the group, as it were, um, who just weren't really sure, or either too nervous, or just didn't know what to do, or whatever. Mm-hmm. I know what that feels. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, uh-huh. yeah. Uh-huh. But so, yeah, no, oh, go ahead. No, I was going to say. So, so break it down for us, I, I for the audience who who um, I mean, you had a a, a crap ton of creators this year. Yeah uh,
4: yeah we had I had I tried to keep it to about a hundred, a little over a hundred, um because I don't want to dilute the pool. I just want it to be as good as possible. Um so this year obviously we had Sturanko, we had Pete Bag, uh Hillary was there, um Wachter was there, Tom Sholey, Ed Piscor, Jim Rugg, uh John Porcelino, um, Ryan Brown, um, Mike Norton, Sean Dove, um uh, Christopher Mitten was there. Um, Sean Pryor was there. So, I mean, nice. You know him. Yeah, you you might know, might know Sean. I, I, I vaguely remembered his face. He came in and shook my hand. I was like, I think I've met you before, but
2: I've
4: got I've got a thing to do over here. Excuse me. So I, I, I big timed him, but it's no big deal. Um, but no. So uh, so those guys were all there. Um, West uh, Westoff was there. Don Cardenius was there. Um, nice. Uh, John and Timothy O'Brien, uh, had tables there. Uh, who else am I forgetting? Uh, Jerry McDade is there, but Jerry's just hanging out, just being, being Hanging a out, freaking jam pieces <laughs> like a boss.
1: Yeah, just, just, smiling for the camera. Yeah, just
4: be, be, being a weirdo, generally.
0: Jam piece master.
4: So, uh, but no, it, I mean, it, it was a really, really solid lineup. Probably the best lineup I think I've ever had at the show. I mean, I've had, I've had great people come in. Um, but this year, pound for pound was probably the best I've ever had.
0: hmm and nice. artist aliens, nice. good traffic. People felt like they made a little cash, and
4: I think so. I mean, you can't account for everybody. Um, you know, I mean, that's I don't, for as much as I hate to say this because I would like to be able to work some sort of mojo on it to make sure everybody makes money. But I mean, that's sort of the one thing I don't have any control over. Um, but no, but I think I think a lot of people did really really pretty well, and certainly pretty well in comparison to previous years. I a in particular, I know. Um, Did very very well, so um, so so I think I think most folks did pretty good. The the interesting thing about about this show though is because a lot of a lot of my attendees that come through the door, um, there there's a lot of people that come in. They're familiar with the convention scene. They're familiar with Artist Alley. That's part of the reason they come because they see the guest list. Like, oh, I need to go see these people. Um, But a lot of the people that come through the door are relative neophytes uh, as far as this stuff goes. So they're not really sure. They're just Uh, For many of them, they're either, they've either only done my show or this is the first time they've ever been to a comic book convention. Mm -hmm. So they're sort of floating around and instead of buying sketches or buying commissions, they buy a lot of prints and a lot of books instead. Sure. Um, and, uh, I mean, I know Dave, like just talking, not to keep referring back to him, but he's sort of my patient zero for all this, I guess. Um, Dave consistently. Does much better on books and prints than he does on sketches. He does a handful of sketches, and then the rest of his sales are all books and prints.
1: Well, that's because his sketches aren't sketches; they're full blown mm-hmm. commissions. Well, that's that's part of it, but uh, but I think that that's a I think that's
4: across the board. I think that that's most people. Um, they're they're not because because this is a, a town where this is a really new thing for them. They're just not sure how to how to act. So. Yeah. But, as they come back year after year they get they get the hang of it a little bit more but um but it's it's much more for on the creative side, it's much more of a book and print show than it is a commission show
1: yeah I had a laugh at Wactor he uh posted the uh Godzilla sketch he called oh, it a sketch. Yeah. He did the, the 2014 Godzilla right. and it's gorgeous and it's, it's amazing and it's fully rendered and beautiful and it's got the wash treatment that he loves to do. And he's like, yeah, here's a Godzilla sketch. I'm like, yeah, God damn it, Dave, that is not a sketch. Yeah. It's that anyone would be tickled pink to hang that on their wall. It's a beautiful commission. Yeah.
4: Well, I think even though he called it a sketch, I think that it went as a commission.
1: Good for him. So, he deserves it.
4: Um, but, but yeah, so, but so no, it's not, it's not a real art heavy show um, in in those terms, which is kind of cool though, for guys like us and people that know, that know the game and they want to come in and do this, they can come up and they can get their sketches and get their jam pieces done without too much of a problem, um, yeah. which is the players because yeah. we're players. That's what we are. Yeah. Well, I, but, but you know, guys like, like <laughs> Jerry and Cam Smalley can go and get two or three things done on their, on their jam pieces and you know, not have to worry about it, and not be waiting forever. Say, oh man, so and so's got it till Sunday. I hope you can do it now or whatever.
1: Right. Um, That's awesome. Best of both worlds. Yeah,
4: exactly. So. And, and you're responsible for that. I'm res- apparently I'm responsible for this. I take great
1: pride in that. I'm glad that the show itself went off without a hitch because leading up to it, you were having a little bit of problems with. Uh, yeah,
4: I was like on the verge of a nervous breakdown. Yeah,
1: promotional materials, and then then some douche was dragging his feet on the the, the program or whatever. I I forget what that was
4: about. Uh, yeah, yeah. Don't worry about that. Uh, we won't talk. We won't talk about him <laughs> on the air. We'll wait till we'll wait till this is over, and then I'll tell you guys all about how shitty Vince is. Um, oh, oh God. Um, but yeah, man, there was just it's just it's those little things. Like the big stuff was all settled and taken care of. Like Pete's. Flight was taken care of. He's coming in fine. Stranko stuff's taken care of. And even though he had his hiccup with the plane malfunction or whatever, whatever, um, you know, fine. Not a big deal in the grand scheme of things. Uh, it's just, it's little things. like Like, if you contact a printer and say, printer, I would like a quote for the following. Can you produce it in X amount of time to these specifications? And then they say yes with a price that you agree with. That that conforms to your budget, or fits your budget. Like, one would expect the printer to just follow through and just get those things done as promised. Uh, it doesn't always work out that way.
1: So... I gotta admire though. I, I do not have the mind, the organizational mind, to, to pull off a convention. Far from it. I could never keep track of everything. I could. The planning that must go into this show just boggles my mind, and I, I don't want to be on that side of the desk. I, I just want to be, you know, the the spectator. Because brother, I don't know how you do it. I, I really don't.
4: A, yeah. Well, I'm not gonna lie. I mean, it takes it takes a toll. It takes a mental toll, um, and it takes up a lot of time too. So, you know, I have to, because, you know, you know, my kids and my wife are of supreme importance to me. So in order for me to be able to do the convention, you know, I have a lot of sleepless nights while I worry about the convention and take care of that stuff on top of my, you know, my day job and, you know, my grad work and all that kind of stuff. So, um so yeah, it's it's not easy, but at a certain point, you know, it's either I'm going to do this or I'm not going to do this. And I prefer to go with the affirmative and just do it. Um,
1: nice. So See, so you put good stuff out there, good stuff comes back to you. Oh. That's how the that's how the universe works. Yep. Hopefully. I'm 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 certain of it. Yep. Hey, so you want to bat around some comics that we read? Shoot yeah. to the yes. Cool. I want to hear I've, I've
4: got, I've got one that I wanted to talk about. If nobody minds, if I go first. I love it. What do you, Anybody? What do no, you I'm have? Already, I love it. All right. I got – I actually – I have two, but I want to do this one first. So um, a while ago, I guess maybe a year ago. I don't know. I don't quite know when this came out. Um, I picked up the uh, showcase, the DC Showcase Presents for Sea Devils. Um, yes. And I hadn't I, – I just put it on the shelf. I flipped through it. I mean it's very pretty, but um, – I just never got around to reading it until until these past couple of weeks uh, when I've had some downtime. And the reason I picked this up is just because it's an intriguing title and, and that sort of thing, but I'd never read the Sea Devils before, but I knew that Russ Heath drew them. So I picked it up exclusively for the Russ Heath artwork, not knowing that most, if not all of these, are written by um, Bob Kaniger. So, And I really like Bob Kaniger's writing, which is kind of, it's not that strange, but it's for, I think, I think of the silver and early bronze age comics writers, Bob Kanager is probably my favorite, if not, if not the best. Uh, cool. I really like Kaniger's work. Like, did you ever read The Viking Prince that he did with q mm-hmm. I love, I love it. I think it's, I mean, it's of its time, it's of its day, but it's, it's really quite good, I think. Um, but anyway, so, so I'm reading this thing and, um, and I think, and this is something that I know you guys have talked about before, but like this in the showcase, the black and white is the way to read this. I would probably have a hard time reading this if it were in color with all those splotchy old four four color with that four color printing process over Russ Heath's um, ink work here Uh, because it's, it's so detailed and there's so much fine tuning that he does with all this stuff. I just feel like the colors would probably ruin it. Not having seen them, Mm -hmm. Um, so have you guys ever read this?
1: I made it halfway through. Okay,
4: so so you know, then it's basically challenges of the unknown, except in space, or except you know in the ocean. Um, I mean, that's exactly what the premise is, and in fact, they they even say like there are great adventures in space, but there's some below the sea as well, or something like that, in the first issue. Um, So you know, it's it's standard you know adventure style comics you know it's, it's part Johnny Quest part uh part Challengers of the Unknown and and 100% fun um, but <laughs> but the, the thing that the thing that made me want to talk about this with you guys and the thing that I really liked about it is again the Russ Heath artwork and the thing that I really like about what Heath does here as compared to a lot of his contemporaries who are also working on showcase um, is that there are when you read these, especially in the early stuff, there are layers of discovery in each in almost every panel. Um you know, a lot of a lot of guys are working on, you know, a deadline style or they're just working as straight cartoonists where they're really only focused on the foreground and what's what's the big action right in your face. And I like that stuff too. I mean, I'm not disparaging that, but with Heath it's different. And in a lot of these panels, there's there's something going on in the foreground. There's something going on in the middle, and then there's something going on in the background, too. So, like, as the reader, like, you're not just sort of skimming the panel saying, okay, here is this, you know, Venusian god riding a giant seahorse with his trident, you know, stabbing up um, submarines. I mean, there's there's that in the foreground, and then in the background, there's there's four or five other things going on that just sort of keep you engrossed in the page and, and in the panel. Um, and it's just... I mean, it's just stunning to look at. And the line work that he uses in this, I mean, everything is very, you know, lots of thin, you know, very carefully placed lines that, you know, every one of them adds to the page or it adds to the experience of the panel. Um, and I just kind of fell in love with this stuff. Um, and – oh, go ahead.
1: No, I was going to say the cover images mm-hmm. that um, the uh, – what you would assume – would be i mean looking back that craft tint paper where you had developer and they would one one developer would produce um, a diagonal line and another developer would produce uh, a opposing line, and that 's how you would get that cross hatching mm-hmm. i don 't believe those covers were done in that manner. I believe they he did them full wash and they half toned yeah yeah and, and i and I think that the sea Devils was one of the first instances where DC used it, and then they started using it on a lot of books.
4: But the cover, but the, I mean, and for good reason. The co- the covers are gorgeous.
1: They are, for, yeah.
4: I mean, all the covers that he has in there, there's not one bad cover image, not one.
1: I I would agree,
2: yeah.
4: I mean, yeah. there's some that are better than others, but not one of these is bad. and And. And you know, compare it to its contemporaries, I mean head and shoulders above most others that were coming out at the same time
1: I think yeah, it 's a really smart way to do it. just half tone them because yeah. it produces the because when you print it, it it reduces everything to dots, and a wash is not going to print unless it 's well now it will, but back then it was very specific what you could and couldn 't do mm-hmm. with, with the current technology, so they they um, shot it with a stat camera, which reduces everything to dots. Of, the, of varying sizes and that's how you get that that um gradation right. on, on there it's beautiful his stuff is great and it sticks out like crazy i mean you look at that uh as opposed to all the other books of the period you, which one are you going to gravitate to is real smart oh yeah i mean it would be and I, I don't have
4: obviously i don't have the images in front of me but it would be interesting to compare these like the showcase issues because there's what like four or five showcase issues um Line line those line up the other showcase issues with the Sea Devils covers, and see how they stack up against them. I mean, True. I I can't imagine that many hold their own or are necessarily better than what Russ Heath did for these covers. Um, Gorgeous. Yeah, it's just beautiful stuff. And, and, and like I said, I mean, the thing the thing that I like, I mean, the stories. I would they're not pedestrian, but they're they're enjoyable. I like them. Um, but the thing that really carries these is like a, like a key coming, coming back to is that sort of sense of discovery that Heath creates in every panel. Um and, and, and just with little things, like there's, I, I flipped to one somewhat random one. It's this, uh, I don't know if you remember. It's early on in the showcase stuff where they actually meet that Venusian god, sea god Horo or something like that, right? And, um he's the guy who's riding around on the big seahorse. Um, mm-hmm. But there's a panel in there where they, they first find out about the sort of, the the crashed UFO that's in the ocean and they're diving down. So they're diving down and in the foreground there is, uh, Dane and one of the other, one of the other sea devils sort of diving, swimming towards, you know, swimming. And he probably could have left it at that and it would have been a perfectly functional panel. But in the background there is, uh, a crashed ship or a sunken ship that they're after and then in the far in the far uh background is the crashed UFO. I mean, all three like all three elements of the story are contained within that one panel so that you the reader don't have to leave. You can just sort of sit there and sort of figure it all out and piece it together, even though Kaniger hasn't put unlike a lot of his contemporaries, hasn't put everything down on the page spelling it out for you. Heath right. Heath does that for you by just sort of laying it all out. Um and allowing the reader to discover what's going on instead of ramming it down their throats, as it were. So,
1: and it helps that Judy's smoking hot. Oh yeah, Judy is smoking hot. She is amazing. Well, it's, it, it's Russ Heath. I yeah. mean, he drew gorgeous women. Have you ever seen his work for National Lampoon? Uh,
4: I don't know that I have. I probably have, uh, but I, I I couldn't. I couldn't. It got that. pretty
1: filthy. Pretty filthy. Is he in that? Um... If you ever want to see naked Russ Heath women. Just, just, uh, dig up that, that lampoon stuff. I think I, actually, actually I think I have some of that. Yeah, but the one thing about Koeniger is that, and, and I noticed this a, a while back with his war stuff in particular. The dude's a humanist. Oh, yeah. he, he had, he could, I mean the average Writer, uh, a writer of lesser quality would be given um, a war story and with all these weapons of destruction and battle and explosions and death and and they would probably focus on the tools whereas Koeniger focused on the people and I think that's why, like the human element of all that I think that's why his stuff really works because it's not just you guys lobbing grenades at each other there 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 are identities behind the hand that that lobs those grenades i mean that's a part of it right but but um it's it's just the 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 humanity in all of kaniger's stories like right across the board even in sea devils yeah
4: no i no, i definitely agree i mean there's there's just there's something very different about his writing as compared to other silver age and uh early bronze age writers i mean there's, like you said, there's a, there's a human voice to it. It doesn't, I don't know that, I mean, even in some of these stories where like, even though I know the formula, I said, you know, I know that this is the Fantastic Four. I know that this is Challengers of the I get that. Like, even with that formula in place, like the characters are still really endearing and the stories that they tell and the, and the, their motivations for doing what they do, they, they work and they work in a way that, and I'm not, Saying this to, to bash the guy, they work in a way that Stanley's dialogue and Stanley's characters never worked. And, uh, because they're not flat. Not everyone has the same voice. There's different voices for each character and, and each set of characters is going on a different journey. They're not all set out on the exact same journey in a sort of quasi-schlocky way. I mean, there, there's something behind each of them. And, um, yeah. I, I just think that puts him head and shoulders above anybody else that was writing Marvel and DC books at the of the time, or national and Marvel books. Whatever.
1: Yeah, you, you you could be right. You could be right. You know, I I got to give Stan some props. Oh yeah, yeah. Because I I read a Stan Lee quote just today, where I guess he was asked if um, physical publishing would ever become a thing of the past, mm-hmm. uh, as you know, as far as comic books go. And uh, I'm paraphrasing, and Stan says, you know, comics are a lot like boobs. <laughs> They, they, they look, they look great on the computer screen, but I would much rather hold them in my hands. That's true. That's, that's, and I said, Stan did, really? Stan said that? Cause it's awesome. And it's so true. And it's, it's lowbrow too, which is great. I mean, I love the lowbrow and he just, I don't know how long he prepared for that, but it is, that's one of the best quotes I think I've heard in a long time. Comics are like boobs. It's
4: true. <laughs> just exactly like them. Go with that. That won't get anybody in any trouble. Let's Uh
1: I don't know. I would much rather have a comic than a boob. Yeah. It's just how I roll. <laughs>
4: okay, so you, so you know what? I do have um one of those uh, National Lampoon's books. That Heath did. The very, yeah, the, very great, and it, the very large book of comical funnies. I have that one. That's the one and that's the one where Jesus comes to dinner, right?
1: Yeah, there's. I think the name of the the uh, one of the best Russ Heath ones is um "Cowgirls in Heat" or mm-hmm. something like that, or I forget the name, but yeah, I. It's it's great stuff. Yeah, and dirt dirty as hell. Yeah, it's it's cowgirls yeah. at war. That's in that collection that I have. Nice. Yeah. Didn't Russ Heath do a Legends of the Dark Knight? arc with Catwoman that was like really scandalous at one time I don't because like, like Catwoman was basically nude like if they didn't color her grey he, he accentuated all the right parts on Catwoman that's where Jim Ballon got it from yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it, it works I'm still buying tarot st- I love you're it. still buying tarot really, I'm still buying tarot oh, wow. I love it and he loves you it's great. I
0: got to say, my exposure but, to uh Sea Devils is, is pretty limited. I, I, I definitely remember they were in that uh Aquaman sort of Atlantis joint for a little bit. Yeah, and uh and back in the, I remember reading that. Uh, oh, I, I don't remember much about it beyond it, but I remember they, there was that tangent Sea Devils version by Busick. Oh,
1: yeah. Oh, oh yeah. What that, was though. the name of that Sea Devils? Was it called Sea Devils? Yeah, yeah. But like, the the um. Black like Black Manta was one member or something, wasn't it? Like they they well, they messed Ocean up. Ocean
0: Master was the head of it, but he was like a red oh. a red fish guy. They were mutants. Okay. They were like they were mutated. They were you know uh, anthropomorphic sea creatures. But I dug it because the because because yeah, I yeah. I like deep sea stories, and each of them had their own thing. There was like one that was like a thresher shark, and there was a little one that was like a shrimp. And, uh, yeah, it was pretty cool, man. It was, I, I, I kind of done the tangent stuff, to be honest. I, yeah. I, yeah. I thought it, Cause not being a DC guy growing up, I, I, I didn't probably have a strong reaction to it being so different. I, I kind of was intrigued by the idea of, of getting a, a new take on things. So, um, yeah. And Busek's always been great. So, but, but that was only one issue. So it's not like it, it went very far beyond that. <laughs> yeah.
1: Speaking of, um, music and water, his, um, sword of Aquaman's awesome. Mm. It's it's one of my favorite series of all time.
4: That's a uh, Butch Geist drew that, right?
1: Yeah. yeah. Well, initially, yeah, and then Sean I think Sean McManus came in towards the end. Yeah, great stuff. Love that series. Gone too soon. I wish they kept that that uh, narrative going. Ah, oh, oh well.
4: Yeah, but not a lot of those one year later things really lasted.
1: That's yeah, true. I mean, did any of
4: them last? Like, any of the things from one year later, I mean, those were all pretty much just flash-in-the-pan things, like six or twelve issues and we're out, right?
1: Yeah. I can't say that any of them have. I don't don't think any of them did. I don't even think any of them. Mostly for good reason. I was going to say, I don't even think they mention them anymore, but they don't have, you know, they can't because it's not the same universe anymore, so. Whatever that means, I'm not sure what that means. It's, yeah. (laughs) I I may just finish my Sea Devils showcase. You should. It's good. I mean, you know, I'm I'm
4: about I'm about halfway through it myself, and I haven't read one and said, "Man, I don't know. I probably could have read something else." Um, I mean, each 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 one is is really pretty fun. I really like this a lot. And I mean, Jason, if you like that sort of deep sea diving adventure stuff, I mean, you would really dig this. And I mean. You know, a lot of times they're treasure most more often than not they're hunting for some sort of treasure, but they're always encountering encountering some sort of like giant underwater monster or behemoth or secret like underground race of like water water breathing aliens or something like that. Mm-hmm. And it's it's very Johnny Quest in, in a lot of ways. It's 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 like a it's a it's a very much a Johnny Quest type story. Um but the, yeah, it's and if nothing else, it's just gorgeous to look at.
0: Yeah, it sounds pretty groovy. Truth. Uh, I, yeah, I, I truth. Don't know much about it. That's interesting stuff. I think you'd like it. It appeals to me more than challengers of the, challengers of the unknown did, just because I'm, I'm more I'm more intrigued by deep sea stuff than I am um, space stuff. So,
4: right. Well, if you like that sort of team dynamic, I mean that basically the Fantastic Four team dynamic, where you know, you know, beefy idiots, hot, beefy idiot, hot, <laughs> <laughs> beefy <laughs> idiot, beefy. hot blonde. Teenager, super smart guy, you know, sort of team dynamic. I mean, that's, that's exactly what this is. It's just underwater. He's right. Yep. But it's great stuff. So if, if anybody else has it right, I strongly recommend doing it. Uh, and I mean, in the, those uh, showcases are pretty cheap, so.
1: Oh yeah. You can get them used for a couple bucks.
0: You know, I feel like when, when the, uh, when the essentials and the showcases were First coming out, I felt like there was tremendous buzz about them. I, I don't, I can't think that I don't ever hear anybody talk about them anymore. And I don't see them just solicited. Do they not make them anymore? I feel like I don't ever see them in previews anymore.
1: I think the, didn't, the, essentials, the, the essentials line is done. Okay. Okay. Is yeah. Yeah. yeah.
4: Are they still making, are they still printing showcases?
1: Yeah. Okay. DC's still doing them. Yeah. But I think one of the, uh, things that impacted both of those lines pretty heavily was the, uh, price increase. Because they started at well, the DC one started at nine ninety nine, and then um, that was just for
3: volume uh, one, though. Volume right, one of right. A few uh, right. Green lanterns, some of the Superman.
1: But they made a crazy jump. I mean, they were twelve ninety nine, which is awesome after discount. Like you can get them for like you know whatever forty percent off. But then now they're nineteen ninety nine. For some of them. Yeah,
4: well the is, the Sea Devils one does retail at at nineteen ninety nine. I didn't pay that for it obviously, but um I I'm sure I got it for I don't know if I can't remember if Cam had this for fifty percent off or forty or whatever, but I mean yeah. whatever I paid for it it was certainly worth it. Even though it sat on my shelf for about a year. So
1: Yeah. I mean with the discount you get it for like eleven bucks and change, which yeah. is not not bad for one of those collections. No, I don't think so. But cover price I don't know I, I wouldn't hesitate to, to spend that but I'm sure there there's some people that would considering it's black and white but the publishers are smart what they're doing is now Marvel has that um, what what's the, uh, the the name of the uh, reprint line that collects runs of uh, like say you know the spider-man cosmic saga or you know the the uh, the Thor um, whatever like the'll the, the, Collect a run, but they're in color and they're like forty bucks some, for not, the trade.
3: Some, oh, for the trade, not the Marvel Masterworks. The um...
1: no, these are just little isolated runs, and they're 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 charging like anywhere from thirty to forty dollars for a trade paperback. Hmm. But they're in color, yeah, which I'm sure digs in a lot uh, quicker in the marketplace than the black and white stuff did.
4: Yeah, I'm sure it does. But man, if it's like Silver Age stuff though, and they're in color, right. I hate those things. I hate I hate the color on those those re, the recolors like in the masterworks and stuff. Yeah, uh, I hate it. I, I just
1: hate I, it. I like both of them. I like seeing them in color. And I mean, the black and white you're seeing the art as it was originally done. And that, right. I don't think there's anything better than that. No,
4: I I, I agree. I mean, I I could see the, I could see the angle too, where people are like I don't want to read it in black and white because for some reason they're just weirdos. But uh, you know, like like the the col- the recolors on those on those masterworks and stuff just drive me nuts. I would much rather see i mean I know that they wouldn't do this, and I realize it would it's so much more labor and cost intensive, but I would much rather see them just scan in pages from like decent copies and then just clean up the clean up the gutters and the bleed area and stuff and make those white and then just let the the old yeah. crappy colors. I would rather see that than someone go, ch- than someone trying to mimic the old color palette. It just looks terrible yeah.
1: that's the chip kit approach yeah. Just scan them as they are. It, it's better that way. That's what Craig Yo does yeah, yeah. for uh, a lot of the IDW stuff. Just present them as the way they are. Yeah. I mean, time—the effect of time on the books—I think is as attractive to me as if, more attractive than if they went back in and bleached all the pages. Like it, it just looks false to me. Mm. It looks alien, strange. Yeah, I agree. So, anyway, Sea yeah. Devils, kids. <laughs> 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 what else we got?
0: I need to hear David. Me. Yeah, dude. Oh,
3: why 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 me? I. You know what? I, I um a while back, a couple months ago, there was um there was a freebie from Comixology where you could snag the first four issues of Unity. Uh, from from valiant for free, so i did and and it's um it was not like the unity that that the event that that, that I remembered reading back in the day this this was interesting because the reason uh they're using the, the, that that word that term is because um they're basically a a team that, that that the team calls themselves unity so they kind of take it in in a different direction and it it works the the um the team was brought together because they wanted to take uh the exo armor away from eric and that was their whole whole reason for getting together um and things kind of, uh, by the end of the fourth issue, you, you, things I guess don't go Harada's way. And, um, <laughs> and, and the artwork by, um, uh, Dougie Braithwaite was, it, it wasn't, it wasn't the best Braithwaite I've seen, but it, it worked here.
1: Yeah, it's odd, and I don't mean that in a bad way.
3: Right? Yes, that's. It. I mean, I had to keep. Uh, I had to keep checking to see if it was actually. I, I wanted to see if it was spelled the same way. Like maybe it was a different artist, but yeah, it's still. You can still kind of see.
1: I'm feeling you on this one. I am. It. I, I and I can't say it's bad because I, I don't think it is. It's just not that Braithwaite that we've come to know, and that's not a bad thing, right? Right. It's just it didn't. Well. Go
3: ahead. No, I mean th- there are. It's. I, I am not current on um. On on Harbinger, uh, I am, I am sadly behind on a lot of Valiant, and um, it's easier to do. Yeah, yeah, but I I didn't want to um. Fall behind on things like, Archer and Armstrong or, um or quantum and Woody. Uh but what was it, it there wasn't a whole lot of um here's what's going on in the Valiant Universe up to now. It was, you know, it kinda hits the ground running and everybody you need to know you kinda get the gist from as everybody's coming together. Um mm-hmm. Yeah, maybe we were because of ninjax uh internal monologuing, we 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 know that he met exo before he he and exo man of war have uh fought and we get that just from their little meetings here but there were some things where yeah i would say if if you want to maybe get a feel for some of these characters you could probably uh Just get this. You don't. You, you kind of get. You know that Harada is not a nice guy. And just reading this, you don't need to know everything that he's done uh, to Pete or anybody else in the Valiant Universe. Um, it. Uh, it would. Once I realized. When, once I got over the, I guess, initial shock of Unity being a team. Uh, it was. It. it it was a neat team book. I, I Matt Kent wrote it and and I have, I think he has a, um, based on this in opening arc, he has a good handle on these characters. Um, the, uh, you know, the, the eternal warrior is a cold calculating kind of just, he's not, he's, he's dry. He he, he doesn't. He's not the cut up that his brother is, and 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 he really doesn't have a sense of humor. He's just he, he's there to, um. Basically, just get things done, and everybody on this team served a purpose. The only person I really wasn't too familiar with was was the um, oh damn, was it Livewire? What the hell was her name from uh from um, from Harbinger or, or from the school whatever you want to call it that uh that that, that all all the kids were sent to but even everybody kind of has their own agenda you see as as the uh as as this opening storyline um, as it plays out it's still i i thought that it was a um i said for someone like me who is behind on things valiant Uh, I wanted to see what was still going on out there because I, I, I like Bloodshot. I like a lot of the books that, that, that the publisher relaunched. So I didn't know what I was getting with Unity because it's so, when when I hear Unity, I just think of that event and, and it, it's once, once I got over that, um, like I said, that's
1: the, that's the valiant big bang.
3: Exactly. Yeah. And, and, and once you realize that is, it's not an event or, or don't, don't think it that way. Um, it was just really weird though that, that first issue when when Unity was showing up to take out Eric and, and he basically, you know, he barely flinches. And it's like, it's like we were introduced to a half a dozen characters who, don't, don't get too attached to them, is basically what it came down to. But I, I thought it was, it, it was, um there was something I took a chance on. I don't, I, it, it, it's hard for me to say. I, I enjoyed it, but it's not the best thing I read from the new Valiant.
1: Yeah, I have a problem with Valiant. And I don't know what it is. Join the club. No, I, <laughs> I, I, I enjoy the books when I read them. I, I think they're very well done, but to get me to read them, I either forget about them or something better comes along. Like, and, and I notice this more when I do my order form. Now they've been having um, Valiant style omnibus, omnibi, like of maybe say the first whatever right. ten issue, ten issues of Exo or something. Like I should order that, and I do, but more often than not, it's the first thing I drop. When I find something else that attracts me more sure and, and I notice myself dropping valiant books like all the time, mm-hmm. but I don't dislike them is what I'm saying I, I enjoy them when I read them, but there's something preventing me from getting really, really excited about right. them and it's I, and it's of no fault of the the well maybe it is i don't know I, I don't know where the problem lies, whether it's in the books themselves or if it's me, and I haven't been able to figure that no, out. The,
3: the, the, What's happening lately is I get to the I, I I've let a lot of things pile up and and primarily Marvel books and when I finish when I finish an issue of Uncanny Avengers or Uncanny X Men or it, it it doesn't matter it could have been Avengers but when I get to the end of an issue I want to read the next one and right. and and very few and. Valiant is not that way with me right now. There very few are. I, I, I just, I don't know what it is where I'm in a groove, and I, I I've, I've let a ton of Thor got a thunder pile up of Captain America pile up, but I know that once I start reading those again, right, I'm right. just going to, and and it, I, I like that I, I'm basically you know, self trade waiting, and, and and I'm just reading them in 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 chunks. And then I get to the last one, and i gotta wait and and by the time I do and let a few others pile up, but it it's weird that i there's just a lot i'm I'm just enjoying a lot it, it actually not even and and I don't even want to say it's more related because there was um because of the humble bundle uh they worked with i d w and and so I went in and it had a uh got like over eighty issues of IDW's Doctor Who books, and they have.
1: How much was that?
3: I paid
1: uh, not a lot. It was. I probably like under under twenty. Yeah. Whoa! For eighty comics.
3: For uh, yeah, uh, about that.
2: Wow.
3: Um, it's uh, and it was yeah. I mean, they were all they're they're presented as as trades you get all right doctor who series one which is volumes one two and three that's 17 issues so that's the 10th doctor then you have 17 issues from from their series two and then they bring you the 11th doctor and that's 16 issues and then you have um some of the specials that they threw out there which are like a half a dozen issues a piece but the one that i recently (laughs) read which um my first time reading idw doctor who books i decided to read um Prisoners of Time, which coincided with the 50th anniversary of the series, and it's each ish, each issue, uh, with a cover by Francesco Francovier, He, he, uh, each issue is, is, the whole story is written by uh, Scott and David Tipton, but each issue is done by a different artist, and each issue, the first 11 issues are of each doctor, and at the end of the issue, a doc, the doctor's companion or companions from that issue are basically kidnapped and, and um, just zapped away and, and you know, you don't think anything of it and you read the next issue is the second doctor and, and so on the 12th issue um, all the doctors band together. But as I'm reading each issue, even though it's almost like an anthology because it's, it's different doctor, different artist. It, it, each issue looks different, even though there's one underlying story i got to the end of each issue and and i wanted to i I wanted to read the next one and and unfortunately even though i'm reading a lot of things right now there are just some books where i get to the end of the issue and i'll either shrug or i'll see what else i have from something else that i want to read
1: yeah do you um those franca Villa covers are interlocking by the way yes that's crazy it's, what did you say, 12, 12, interlock, 12 interlocking covers. That's insane.
3: And then, uh, for the, for the three trades, um, they just have, you have an image of each doctor, um, at the, uh, the, the TARDIS console, but, uh, yeah. And then there's, there was the, there was a story that, um, Paul Cornell wrote which would only kind of really work in comic books because it's it's the 11th doctor who lands on like our earth and where where doctor who is a TV show and um it 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 works because it's it's based on a TV show and 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 the mythology of it all but it's a story that really you couldn't Do this story on on tv it would look corny as hell more so than some of the other special effects and some of the older doctor who episodes but it really works pretty neatly as 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 a comic and there's also an anti-bullying story the plot line or or subplot thrown in there but i you know for the amount of book for the amount of money for 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 the number of books even if you know there are a couple where the art isn't to my liking or i just kind of But for that, something like that, I was just looking at it from the bargain standpoint. But yeah, yeah,
1: doesn't matter Uh, if if you're getting 80 books and you can cast out a few of them. Um,
3: But no, the point I'm just trying to make is that I, I I wanted to enjoy Unity the way I was enjoying some of the other things I've been reading lately, and, and it wasn't the case.
1: Yeah, it's true, and it's silly, and I and. They're not bad books. Like I I look at some of the designs for Armor Wars, and I'm like, "Damn, those designs are solid!" Give me my Uncanny Avengers right now. Mm. You know, it's there's there's an excitement level that I'm currently getting, especially from the Marvel stuff. That I I just don't feel it for the Valiant books.
0: Well, you're not alone.
1: (laughs) Yeah. It's true it's they're, they're, they're we're struggling, breaking but,
0: Campbell's heart right now but
1: i know. I, I know i it, know and i'm again they're not bad what's folks.
0: what's it's weird just, is that with
3: Valiant, it's i'm getting a sense that they are just they they have they have a line that, that they don't want to cross or, or they just they feel very stiff very rigid this is they' they're not deviating from from whatever path they're on this is what they're doing this is the story they want to tell and and you can't it, it's almost like Um, I I never read these books, but I just have the sense of of um of the sweatshop owner from Crossgen watching over everybody and 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 making sure that they they told the stories that they were supposed to tell. But whereas with Marvel, well, you just brought up Uncanny Avengers, Remender's just going crazy with 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 the alternate future universe storyline. You have Bendis going crazy with, with with the x books where you know you have mgh being um siphoned off and and it's just the things that they're doing here just it, it's almost i'm it, to me it feels like the writers over at marvel or lightless and just you know go nuts just just, just Tell good stories with these characters, and and not that they're throwing it against the wall to see what sticks, but they just they, they for for some strange reason right now it just feels like m- that strange to say that Marvel is just feels like
1: that they're taking more chances right now. Yeah, but they're sly like foxes because, and I noticed this seeing the preview images for Remender's um, Axis, the Avengers uh, X Men thing that's coming up after Original Sin. Red Onslaught. That appeared, he appeared in Uncanny Avengers. Like he's planting these seeds. They're all yeah. doing it. Look, look at Hickman. Hickman will throw something as a brief aside and make a whole freaking event out of it a couple months Absolute, down the line. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it's, it's, it's planned, but it feels very spontaneous is I guess what I'm trying it's to say. It's
3: subtle. Yeah. You don't, you don't, you don't remember it. You don't see it just there under okay. the surface
1: because look at uncanny avengers you had the first arc with the red skull right which led to i mean it was perfect to make him the antagonist for that first arc because the 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 um he's got a beef to pick with impure genetics Right. right so it's an avengers villain by way of Captain America, but it, he, the the red skull is traditionally an, an avenger 's villain, and you pull the mutants into it with the whole race issues so you got red skull in the first arc, then in the second arc, you got the apocalypse twins, but they 're still mentioning that that they dropped the red onslaught bomb one of the apocalypse twins mentions it the re, The onslaught thing is is uh, will come to play. In the, in the, the new world that they're trying to make. And that's going to lead into access. It's nuts how, how finely tuned this stuff is. And, and from what you guys tell, tell me, I haven't read Uncanny X-Force. Shame on but you. But I know I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to fix that. But these apocalypse twins come from Uncanny X-Force, which is years old. It's like two, three years old, more. So he's been building this story up for a bunch of years. It's insane. And, and see, even when I talk about it, I get excited because I read. I'm going back and I'm rereading Uncanny Avengers. And that book just sets me on fire. I mean, the, the art, the writing, the characterization, the, 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 the events, it's insanely good. And I want more of it like right now. And when you, when you look at Uncanny um, Avengers, it's got the lowest run of almost all of the Avengers books. I mean, um, as, as far as issue numbers there was it, a delay we'll that shipping
0: it. I mean, that's right. The issue.
1: Right. But I mean, and, and he's packing a shit ton of story in every yeah, issue.
0: Yeah. Oh, definitely. I, I, I mean, the only slight tick I would have against that whole series is the beginning when Cassidy was doing the interiors, but yeah, that was short lived. So, uh, I think, I think it's amazing. I, I mean, I think Remender's, I, he's just, he's crushing it for me and everything he's doing. So yeah. I, I just, uh, you know, I, I don't know what else to say. I mean, that, Anyone that's listened to the show for more than a few weeks knows that I'm a, uh, unapologetic remender, uh, fanboy. It's just, I love his stuff, but, um, yeah, I'm with you. That, that, that uncanny Avengers arc is terrific. I mean, the apocalypse twins, I, I've always loved apocalypse and the whole mythos behind that. I've always had a soft spot, even, even in the, the, the times in the X books where maybe it wasn't great comics, but if you throw apocalypse and the horseman into it, man, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty mm. much all in. I, it's hard for, it's like you with, uh, with, um, uh, what's his name from, uh, S- Superman, uh, the, the villain? Doomsday. 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 Yeah, for uh, the apocalypse. Yeah, it ain't working these days, buddy. No, I know. Sorry. Sorry. I think. <laughs> the apocalypse is just, uh, you know, it's, it's hard for me not to
1: dig on that whole mythos. I just groove on it a lot, you know? Yeah. But, for my money, and I, I, you may giggle, we all love Hickman, and he's doing fantastic work. For my money, I think, Remender is outshining Hickman with the, just just on the basis of this book alone that's how good uncanny avengers is i mean hickman may hit the home run but i think remender's hitting the home run and he's wagging his ass in your face because he's got <laughs> something planned baby i'm i'm just loving it i mean so does hickman but i think there's a little bit more hickman for me tends to be a little dry sometimes like Bordering on humorless at times, he's gotten much better than it used to be, but th- sometimes it's a little too clinical for me. where as Remender, it's all earthy. I mean, it's, oh, you're right it's about sh- that.
0: But it, just to be fair to Hickman, he—I think you know this—but we haven't talked about it. You know, they did announce at the uh, at the Retailer Summit that the big event for 2015 in Marvel is called "Tom Runs Out." And mm-hmm. it's it's, yeah, it's all Hickman. It's it's the culmination of everything Hickman's been been la- awesome. laying down for the last few years. And, yeah. and some have gone so far as because I guess it being Marvel, they they told the retailers that they'll be doing something uh, coming out of this event that they have never done in their history. Which has led all everyone to speculate are they going to do a major reboot i don 't think that's the case. I think they want you to think that's the case because that's yeah, but i don 't think I think they'd be crazy to do a full on reboot um, at this point, considering that it hasn't really worked for d c and hmm. and Marvel's doing pretty well right now with their soft reboot of keeping continuity but ever switching everybody on the deck chairs so i don't think that's right. what's going to happen, but obviously they have big plans because the the,
1: the Hickman's stuff is coming to a head uh, in a year from now. Um, but look at the production side of comic books. What haven't Marvel done? They've re- they've sw- swept their line and renumbered every book, f- you know, from one up. They've they've published every kind of conceivable, like a miniseries, extended series. Like what haven't they done, publishing wise? Nothing. So to, I mean, aside from scrapping all the the, the paper and going. Ex- Exclusively digital which I don't think is going to happen so it has to be on the character side or the story side of the equation what could they conceivably do that they haven't done? I don't know it's it, it just I mean it boggles the That's mind the tease. I, I know and, and just to think it's it's what they haven't done is drastic stuff sure. and for them for them to tease that they better pay off mm-hmm. I'm sure they will. Yeah, it's a year away. Uh, yeah, I can't wait. But li- like I'm saying, for right now, uh, remember is is the golden child for me at Marvel. I I, I love Hickman, but this on un- this uncanny Avengers, holy with crap! The
3: um with with Hickman doing the 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 big planning with Avengers and New Avengers and, and now Avengers World, it, was, it reminds me of when Claremont had. Uncanny X-Men, New Mutants, Classic X-Men, and then there was Louis Simonson writing X-Factor. And there was a yeah. lot going on in X-Factor that you needed to read every month.
1: For real, yeah. You're right. That's why I, last week I think I, I called it Remender's book The Sleeper. Yeah. Because it is. It doesn't seem to be. I mean, you, you hear Hickman's name thrown around all over the place. I'm more so now with Remender, but for a long time. I, I haven't read Uncanny X-Force. You guys raved about it. Why haven't I read it? I do not know. I don't. Because I'm a dumbass. It just don't tell me that Cable's in it, because then I'll punch myself right in the face. Is Cable in it?
0: <laughs> um, you know,
1: I don't think so. Offhand. I'm trying to think of he All was right. toward the end, so but no, he, he wasn't. My one saving grace. But, yeah. Zach, what are you, do what you you reading Uncanny Avengers? Nope. Oh, you know, dude.
3: I, no, Zach, Zach actually, while I was down south, Zach sent me a text, and he pleased me greatly.
1: Yeah. What did he say? You're pretty? What did oh, the, he He,
3: he, you sent me a text about something that you read the first three issues.
4: Oh, uh, the Moon Knight stuff. Yes. yes. Oh man. <laughs> yeah, I'm not, to be honest with you, I'm not reading a lot of, uh, the main Marvel books. Like I'm not reading any Avengers stuff. Not, not, not for any particular reason. I'm just not. But I've been pick, I pick up some of the sideline books. Um, but yes, yeah, so I picked up, I picked up uh moon Knight because I, because I heard David talking about it. And if David says he likes a moon Knight book, there's probably something,
0: some,
4: something's happened here where like, there's been some major changes with the book where it's actually good for the first time mm-hmm.
0: in, Deck that I,
4: that I can remember. Um, so uh, yeah, no, I love the new moon Knight stuff. Um, and you know what? It kind of, it reminds me vaguely of, um, when he did when uh Ellis did Fell, where each one is just sort of its own thing. You just they're all sort of in the same narrative universe, but each one's its own thing. You just kind of just roll with the punches and enjoy each of these different sides to Mark Spector. And um yeah, God I, I fucking love that book.
1: Cool. Zach, you know me with concept, right? Yeah. There there's the the concept for uncanny Avengers extends <laughs> No, listen. It it extends right to the title of the goddamn series. Uncanny traditionally is an ad, is an adjective that goes along with the X Men. But, but the whole point of Uncanny Avengers is they want to show humanity that humans and mutants can work together in harmony. Don't call me mutant. Don't use the M word. That, I, I know, right, but, but, so, so you, the, the very title of the series, that, that slams that home, Uncanny Avengers. It's perfect. It's, the, it's, it's, it's so high concept, the book, well, and, uh, the, then you, you have this, this whole human and mutants, and they get into this discussion in the second trade, where, I think it's Wanda, or, um no, it, it's Havoc that says, what the hell does it matter how we got our powers? We're all super powered. Whether you're human and you get in an accident like, like Peter or, 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 or Matt and you get superpowers or whether you were born with them and, and they erupt when you reach puberty, who cares? We're still superpowered. It's not how we got the powers, it's what we do with them.
4: So, okay, so here's, here's sort of my, here, here's Zach being just a complete jackass. I, I guess. I've never seen that. I know, I'm sorry. Here it comes. <laughs> I, and this is, this is part of the reason like, You know, it's not that I, I have any reason to not read it or not try it, and you know, and I'm sure that if I read it, it I would love it because I really like Rick Remender a lot. Um, But I guess when I hear things like that, it makes me wonder. Okay, so in what way is it substantially different from what's come before it? And if it's not substantially different, or if there's not something to really hook me, then you know, then I'm okay with waiting for a while and just sort of sitting on the sidelines and waiting for it to all be collected and pick it up in one fell swoop later if it's
1: that great. Like, whereas with the moon- And then punch, your, punch yourself in the face because why haven't I read this fair, before? Fair, but, fair, fair like enough.
4: me. Fair enough, but like, but whereas like compare that to, you know, David bringing up the moon knight stuff. To me, this is a substantially different take on the character than I've previously read. I don't know if, if someone else has come at it from this angle, then you know, so be it, but I'm not aware of it. So, like, we're, so I ki- I want to, I'm excited to read Moon Knight in issues, like, right now, because it's different, and it's new, mm-hmm. and it's exciting for me, whereas we're, the way you explain it there sounds great, but it also sounds like, oh, yeah, but I feel like we've dealt with this before, and wasn't this part of House of M, and didn't we deal with this 20 years before that? So, I mean, I don't know, it just, when it, when it gets so cyclical like that, and, and it, it, thematically, I kind of... I'm not dubious, but I'm just I'm willing to be patient. Let's say
2: sure. Well,
1: but the one thing for me is Remender makes a lot of the dog-eared pages of of the Marvel mythology make sense. Mm-hmm. Like for me, Apocalypse was always the big bad, and it was maybe it was through the, through the fault of the writing teams on every Apocalypse story that I've ever read. Mm-hmm. Uh the genetic purity angle of apocalypse wasn't really completely slammed home like his goals it was just you know yes he was for mutants but the reasoning behind that really i didn't really even consider it it was just all right here's a big bad guy it's it's apocalypse he's from you know the future blah 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 whatever but remender takes all this shit that that has been fermenting in the Marvel universe is in, in terms of the Avengers and the X Men. He makes them make sense for me.
0: Sure. Yeah, I, Vince just stole my thunder. I was going to say that that I think that remembers what's appealing to me about him is that he's unapologetically a fan of the same era of comics that uh, many of us came up in, in and he, in terms of, so, but but he also recognizes that some of those stories probably were while we're nostalgic for them, weren't all that cohesive or fully formed and so he takes so many of the high notes of those runs from the 90s and crafts them in a much more compelling, cohesive and and developed way and there's an underlying love of the characters that comes through that doesn't come through with a lot of other writers that are tasked to write licensed characters. Sure, he, he genuinely loves those ex characters, and I think it, it's very, very obvious to, to to me at least. So, to your point, sure, I don't think he's "quote unquote" breaking new ground per se in the sense that he's dealing with characters and situations and antagonists that have been come before. But I do think, again, this is that's a conceit of reading a, a serialized universe that has characters that have been around for seventy years in some cases, right? Yeah. I mean, that's. Yeah. It's impossible to, in, in, as, as, you're a skeptic, a skeptic's view of things would be you're always just reshuffling the deck chairs and then you're putting everything back in place when you're done. So to me, I have to judge a writer of Marvel or DC comics by their ability to do just that. Tell right. me an awesome story that pulls me in, makes me forget that I've seen some of this before and then you put it all back in place for the next guy and we move on. You know, like that, that's, that's yeah. sort of the task at hand and I just I think they can only do what they can do, and and to to that, and I think he's doing a great job of it. Um, yeah,
4: yeah, so. and I think I think that's a perfectly legitimate way to approach it too. I mean, I, I would never be critical of that because I mean, like everyone else, I mean, I read these same characters too. But for me, I mean, this is the sort of thing for me where like where I I'm I come back to that point of like willing to be patient on it. Like sure. I'm willing to sit back and let you guys enjoy it, because I trust what you guys have to say about these things, just like with David. I probably would have let Moon Knight slide had David not jumped in and said, oh man, I really am enjoying this, this is different, and okay, so that made me want to read it right now, but I hear you guys talk about Uncanny Avengers, and it sounds it sounds great, like, I mean, it sounds like something that I would enjoy, but it also sounds like something where, like, I don't know if I need to pick this up today, right now, dropping four bucks an issue, when I know that I can pick it up and trade, you know, a used copy for three dollars or five dollars, you know, six or eight months from now, and and get the exact same pleasure out of it. Does that make sense?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So sure. yeah, you like music, don't you? I love music. You like gladiator movies, don't you? Yeah. Um, sure, I do. Uncanny <laughs> Avengers is like no, really. Vince Shut not, up! It's we'll walk away from this.
0: It, because it's because it's awesome. Read this, Zach, damn it. You are going to read this. I, I it it is it is be, like I'm it is
1: no. Listen to me. It's like a great score where you got all these different movements that build upon previous movements and you get this I know it's going to happen. You get this rousing crescendo and the payoff is going to be unbelievable. Yeah. And the first arc was great. I don't listen to what Jason said. The art was fine. Uh, fine. The second arc, arc is, the Apocalypse Twins is awesome and it just keeps getting more so and this, the the current arc is unbelievable. It's really great. I'm not going to say why because a lot of the reasoning why I think it's great would spoil some stuff for you.
3: I, I wasn't when, expecting that. I honestly thought before
1: this, no. before, this
3: most recent arc, I thought things were going to go a lot different and, and I was, and it makes sense because it's remender, but I wasn't expecting that that all new number one dot now to to i was not expecting that is what i'm going to say because when 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 don't the heroes you know well uh, save the day i'll say you know i mean right. so it was but it's been a great ride
1: remander even made good use of age of ultron because when wolverine did the deed and the uh the the timeline got fractured all of the books were were you know age of ultron related kang uses that alternate those alternate realities to actually take part of the story into this storyline that was like foisted upon Remender because the company was doing it he had to do something about with 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 age ages of ultron so he used it to his advantage and he made it make sense where kang who can hop through time and reality in different you know uh timelines takes something from the, the 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 narrative of the regular book and uses it and advances the story, but he's working within the company-wide crossover. That's nuts. That's crazy. It's so good. You fool. You must read it.
0: <laughs> I, I feel like I've said I'm going to read it. Like, at least a half dozen times. <laughs> hey,
1: hey, Zach, all is, right. don't
0: feel bad because underlying all of this uh, from Vince is he's betraying himself because if you notice during all of this preaching, he mentioned very casually that he didn't read reminders yeah. uncanny X Force, which I know I'm David I praised. I have in so many times during the run. It's absurd. So he's and guilty of his own. Uh, I am preaching, I, and,
1: and I did yeah. read that.
0: that See? Coming out, so. See? Yeah,
1: I got to get the omnibus. I don't have it. I'm just gonna. I I I did a breakdown today of all the yes. buying all the hardcovers as opposed to the one uh, omnibus, and it, it it would be just smarter and and less work to just grab the, the omnibus. Mm-hmm.
3: So, Speaking of not letting shit go, I'm sorry, bro. No, go ahead. Um I I have been. Um, we 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 talked about it briefly at the beginning of the show because we we talked about Natalie Dormer and and Zach is right when when it Marjorie showed up in the because I keep forgetting that the f- first season was just about the Starks, right? And everything after that, everything post right, yes. that has all been so. Yeah. So even though I'm thinking it was so long ago that but yes she it was it was the second
0: season so now i can move on thank you for ah, that closure
1: I nice
0: <laughs> i mentioned the first issue of this book uh when it came out but then i said i was going to wait for the trade and i did wait for the trade but i have since consumed the trade and so i want to talk about it again which is by image comics uh specifically from the skybound imprint which is kirkman's little piece of the Universe there, uh, Manifest Destiny, The First Trade, Volume 1, Flora and Fauna, uh, written by Chris, uh, I think it's Dinges, D-I-N-G-E-S-S, D-I-N-G-E-S-S uh, uh, art by Matthew Roberts, colors by Owen Gianni. Um, you may recall when I talked about the first issue, this is essentially a a otherworldly take on the Lewis and Clark expedition, um it's 1804 and Lewis and Clark are setting out for, you know, the American frontier and they are accompanied by a bunch of soldiers as well as a bunch of, uh, ruffians, if you will, people that, that uh, were basically told, look, if you, you either ride away in prison for your whole life or you can go on this expedition. It's dangerous, but if you, if you're willing to go and uh, do your part that, uh, when we get back here, Freeman. So, um, as you guys know from fictional story tropes, typically those kind of guys are brought along on these type of trips because they are cannon fodder, <laughs> and and this is no different. <laughs> so the first issue introduces to to the fact that they're on this journey, uh, and you've got um, Lewis chronicling everything, Clark more of the action guy, shoot first, ask questions later, and they feel as though they're they were sent on a wild goose chase because they were told – they didn't tell the men this. They told the men what we've learned in history is that they were going to go and chronicle the geography as well as any kind of wildlife that they come across. But what Lewis and Clark were actually told was that in order for uh, the uh, expansion, colonialism and expansion to happen, that there were dangerous creatures in the new world that needed to be taken care of and – so that's what they're on the journey thinking is going to happen. But we're introduced to them at a point in the journey where they've come across bupkis, which is nothing interesting. And so they're beginning to doubt whether there really was any need for this group of of ne'er-do-wells and hired mercenaries and and soldiers. And as a result of there being relatively nothing going on except for cataloging birds and insects and other types of creatures – The everybody's getting pretty restless. Um, But then they hear a rustle in the woods and something comes out to attack them. You're led to believe it's either something like a wild boar or a a bison and they shoot it and then the last page of the first issue you see what they shot and it looks at first glance like they shot a buffalo, an American bison. But when you look closer you realize it's not a bison, it's it's a, a basically a centaur, a, a minotaur. It's it's a minotaur looking creature, only with a bison head instead of a bull head, and that's how the first issue ends, which I thought really roped me in. I'm like, okay, we got something here. So the rest of the arc is that unfolding. You you, you come to find out that what they shot was in fact a bison atar, if you will, but it was a baby. It was a child. So so there are much larger versions of this thing. And they are quickly set upon by these creatures. Um, they have to take refuge in a place that uh, that's uh, – I, I would liken it to like a, 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 a fort, if you will, you know, just a, a place that's – they're supposed to meet people. They find this fort. It seems like it's relatively safe, but there are things going on within the fort unrelated to these minotaur creatures, which are even freakier. And uh, I don't want really to give that away other than to say if you're a fan of Donald Sutherland's – uh, my opinion, his best movie ever from the 1970s. You'll be into this. Um, and 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 the, the 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 most badass part of this is that much like Lewis and Clark, they have to meet up with Sacagawea, right? Well, in this story, Sacagawea is uh, married to a a uh, a farmer in in the New Frontier, and they have arranged for the farmer to sell Sacagawea to them so she could be their guide, or so she thinks. But actually, the deal is that the farmer, not that he knocked her up. And the deal all along has been that he's selling Sacagaweas to, to them so that they can have her baby to study. <laughs> so, But she doesn't know that, and nothing comes of that, I assume, later on in the story, if this continues. You know, we'll find out about that whole issue. But Sacagawea is like straight-out-of-Compton badass. She is this shit-kicking... <laughs> I mean, we're talking Black Widow, Electra level shit kicker, right? And you don't know why, you don't know how, but she is. Um, so you have all of these crazy things happening all at once. But the the long and the short of it is, essentially, what if the new frontier was like the island of Doctor Moreau, where tons of crazy shits going on, extraterrestrial stuff. Mythical stuff, horror tropes, all of these things mixed in to the reality of the scientific expedition that Lewis and Clark went on. What, what kind of adventures would ensue? And I'll tell you what, this was a awesome read. It was so much fun and I loved the story. I'm totally on board for whatever comes next, but the real star of this book without question is Matthew Roberts. This dude, this dude is crazy. I mean, th- th- this is, if I gave you this book and I didn't tell you who drew it, and then I said it was drew, it was drawn by Tony Moore, you'd believe it. You'd believe it. Now, now there are certain components to his anatomy, most notably his choice in the way he draws faces, that would belie that it's Tony Moore. But the the overall line work, the overall cartooniness of the of the way that the the the, the people act, um, their facial expressions. The, the comedic elements to very unfunny scenes otherwise, you know, that, that homage to the classic Mad Magazine or EC style, uh, cartooning is all there. And this Matthew Roberts dude is ridiculous. It's, he draws fantastic otherworldly creatures, great monsters, um, backgrounds are detailed. It's just a terrific, terrific work. And I'm, I'm, I'm not sure I meant to look up before we started if I have Read anything else of his, um, or if he's done that much else. But either way, this cat's got a very, very bright future. And I think just based on the solicits, that that we're going to get more of this, but they're going to do it in the, I guess the all too common, uh, for lack of a better term, Mignola model now, where they that they, they they put out an arc and then they build up the next arc and do it. So so this first arc was six issues. Uh, again, it's Manifest Destiny, and the trade just came out two three weeks ago. Uh, and as is typical of of image, it's dirt cheap. It's nine ninety nine cover price. So you know, you go to in stock, it's probably cost you what six bucks, six yep. fifty. Absolute bargain. Fantastic stuff. I don't know if any of you guys have read any of it yet, but if you haven't, uh, I would put it on your 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 queue as something that's worth your time. Yeah, this. Is-
1: yeah, I read the. No, go. Oh, I was gonna go say ahead. this
4: looks awesome.
0: I definitely am going to
1: pick this up. Gonna- I re- I read the first two issues. Loved him, and because I loved him, I said, "Okay, I'm going to back off and order the trade, and I have that coming in my next box."
0: Definitely, great, yeah, it's it's uh, it's awesome, and and I I think the the component related to this affirm not not to be mentioned Donald Sutherland film those those pages I think are where I really see the Tony Moore influence um, the most. Uh, I'm surprised you don't own one yet if I knew who sold his art, I would probably own one. <laughs> but, but either way, uh, this is two big thumbs up. Uh, nice. on, uh image does it again.
1: They're on a roll, baby.
0: Oh, yeah, they are Kirkman. Everything that do touches is freaking gold.
1: Yeah. I don't know about <laughs> that. Oh, no,
0: I mean of late. I don't, I, I'm not saying we re his career, but I mean,
1: no. Yeah. I mean of late too. Yeah. uh, whatever. Um, does he my turn, huh?
0: If you must. Uncanny, wait, wait, wait! Uncanny Avengers wasn't your turn? No. <laughs> oh, okay.
1: <laughs> I mean, I read that. I did, but so, that—that but <laughs> that was a group thing. Months, what are you talking f- about here?
0: Sale pitch on <laughs> <his back muscle>. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Well,
1: I'll make it easy here because I'm. Although I did read Uncanny Avengers, yeah, uh, that yet. that that did not impact me the the hardest over the, what, two days since we last recorded? <laughs> um, I saw what I would uh, rank as one of the greatest documentaries I've ever seen. Oh. Okay. Yep.
4: Yodorowsky's Dune?
1: Yes. Right, who just rolled a uh, 10d20. Sorry. Did I make my saving throw? <laughs> uh,
2: <laughs>
1: no, it, it's Yodorovsky's Dune. It's the chronicle of the greatest movie never made, and it is unbelievably good. Um, I, I won't uh, squelch any of the surprises in it, but it goes along the the entire history of the project, the failed project of uh, Jodorowsky knocking it out of the park with El Topo, uh which was uh which is widely regarded as the first you know midnight movie the first cult uh midnight movie uh it's a great movie and he got a little bit of success with that which enabled him to make the holy mountain which was a big hit uh in uh Europe and so his uh the producer of his films' partner, I think uh, his name is Sedu, said, "Alejandro, what do you want to do now?" And he didn't even think. He just said, "Dune. I want to do Dune." And he had never even read the book. He just heard that it was really good. Like people have told people told him that the book was really good, and he's like, "Okay, I'll do Dune." And he's like, "Why did I say that? I, I could have done Shakespeare. I, I could have done, um, you know, the the the." The, the great works of literature, but then I picked and He goes, what is wrong with me? So, uh, he rolled with it and, uh, by chance he stumbled upon, uh, Blueberry, which we all know was, was, uh, done by Mobius. And that, that's the kind of visionary Alejandro is. He, he, uh, saw without even having seen Mobius's science fiction work. Now, uh, Blueberry, was done under, uh, Mobius's other name, which is Garo. And he's like, I need to meet this Girl And he, he sat down with him. He said, you will be my eyes. Meaning, you know, you're going to storyboard this thing for me. And, uh, then he saw his science fiction work and he's like, I knew, I knew this was my guy. And so Mobius storyboarded the entire movie. And many times during the documentary, Alejandro pulls out this book, and it's got to be six inches thick if it's an inch, you know, it's huge. And it's the entire movie storyboarded by Mobius. There's pre-production art in color of the various costumes and alien races in Dune. The entire movie storyboarded. There's Chris Foss, um great, great uh cover artist, uh science fiction themed cover artist, did uh various spaceships and architecture for him. Uh then Mobius brought in Giger, H.R. Giger, to design primarily the Harkonnen's. And nice. it it was very, very sad because while the movie was put together after Mobius died, Giger was obviously still alive because they interview him. And the dude, you could tell the dude is failing. I mean, he, it's, he, his, his breathing is somewhat labored and he takes forever to deliver a sentence and he, it looks like it's just very uncomfortable for the guy to even speak. But, um, Yodorovsky's goal in bringing all these people together, they had to fit a certain criteria. You couldn't just be good at what you did. Like, uh, uh, Yodo approaches Douglas Trumbull. Who at the time was the shit for special effects. I mean, he had just come off Kubrick's 2001. I mean, he was a celebrity as far as, you know, special effects were concerned. And, uh, Yodorovsky met with him and they just didn't click because as Yodorovsky puts it, put it, he wasn't a spiritual warrior. He didn't have that. Yes, he was, he had the technical know-how to pull it off, but he didn't have that spark. That, that spirituality that Alejandro was looking for. So he didn't use him and he instead stumbles upon Dan O'Bannon, who was the man. He got it. He, he picked up all of his stuff, moved to Paris just so he can work on this dune. And they worked on it for like two, two and a half years and the project never came to fruition because the studios were afraid of Alejandro. They loved the book. They loved all the pre-production work on it. But Alejandro scared them because he didn't fit the mold. He he wasn't Hollywood, and you get all this. I mean, watching the documentary, if you make any kind of art at all, musician, you know, if you're a graphic artist, if you're a cartoonist, any any of the 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 various, if like I'm saying, if you are artistically inclined at all, you produce something from within you. You have to see this documentary. It's unbelievable. Um eh, like I said unfortunately Mobius is not in it his arts all over the place but uh the man himself alas uh he passed before I guess they they did a lot of the groundwork for this thing but it it is just frickin' incredible and um just all the problems that Yodorowsky had because he di- he didn't walk the walk he had union problems he he wasn't a member of the the, uh, whatever guild, uh, the movie making guild, uh, fr- from his country. He didn't, he didn't grease the right palms. Uh, uh, he had problems with, uh, American studios because he didn't walk the walk. It's just that he, he's a trailblazer and that scares people in Hollywood. And, and you'll get all this from watching the thing. My favorite part is, uh, Jodorowsky had very specific desires for who was going to play all of these characters in 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 dune and he wanted Salvador Dali to be uh the em- to be the emperor of uh you know the universe and uh Dali's one concern was that he he'll do the project if he could be the highest paid actor in the history of motion pictures <laughs> and the producers like how the frig are we going to afford this he he wants like astronomical amount of money just to appear in our movie and and they came to a solution and the solution is is pretty damn smart uh and i won't blow it but but uh they they eventually did get salvador dali uh mick jaggers mentioned uh it's uh, pink floyd is in this thing it's it's incredible you just you need to see it um yodorowsky's dune okay It It comes out on, uh, DVD and Blu-ray on June 8th, and I would strongly, strongly recommend picking it up. Well,
4: wasn't, wasn't Pink Floyd supposed to do the, the whole soundtrack, score the movie?
1: Pink Floyd was going to do the Atreides. Oh, okay. uh, Oh,
4: that's right. They uh, were House Atreides, and then who was the other
1: uh, House? Magma. Yeah. Magma was going to do the Harkonnen side. I mean, ambitious? Are you kidding me? And Yodorovsky changed the book. He because he's never read it i mean the the story was i'm sure he's read it in the interim, but the story was explained to him, and he clicked with it and he said, uh no, no no, 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 we have to change certain things and when you find out what he changed, it's like huge, it's huge because i mean if you know Frank herbert and his uh heirs, doom did not end with the first book, so yeah, yo, don't change, change it a little bit. <laughs> I,
4: I, I've not, I've not seen this yet. Um, but, uh, my understanding is there's a big deal with his son too.
1: His son was gonna play Paul. Yeah, his
4: son was gonna play Paul, so he put his, my understanding is he put his son through all sorts of like, super intense martial arts training for like two years, right? Oh, wow. Yes. Two
1: and, two and a half years of, uh, sword fighting, hand-to-hand combat, Um, and they go through the whole list in the movie, and, and the son, his name is Brontus, he just flat out says it was torture yeah. the the teacher was extremely unforgiving like no compassion whatsoever he had to learn all these disciplines for the movie and he did i mean i'm sure it made him a better person <laughs>
4: or but, a really bitter one since they never made the movie
1: <laughs> yeah well the the, the uh son had appeared in movies with him before but only as a child and he was you know the right roughly the right age to play paul Mm-hmm. and uh yeah it's nuts and the the biggest star of the the uh documentary is jodorowsky himself he is a character man uh he he questions everything um why not his 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 models why not they they tell me it can't be done why not why not and he's shaking his hands in the in in the, in the in, the, in the, the camera and you can see on his face just how frustrated he is that that you have to you know subscribe to these ridiculous things just to make art he's like why do i have to do this why do i have to pay a union just to make art it it, 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 it does not matter and he goes i i, I have to say something and i want to say it and he didn't give a shit it, it was his dream and he's like they killed my dream and i'm as i'm watching the movie i'm thinking well man what did, uh, Jodorowsky, how did he feel when they gave it to David Lynch? Hmm. And what did he feel about David Lynch's movie? And all those questions were answered before the end of the documentary. It's amazing. Amazing. Really? It's amazing. he
0: wasn't very high on it.
1: I'm not saying anything. You gotta watch it. Well, yeah. It's, it's great. It is one of, definitely one of the best documentaries I've ever seen. And, uh, I gotta thank my brother. Uh, I, I am an only child. My mother didn't pump out any other kids, at least none that stayed breathing um i have to thank uh, david faust for uh getting my back on faust. this faust yep yep so june 8th get your ass to wherever they sell dvds and Blu-rays and get this mhm it's a it, it's a i can't wait to see what the extras are i just saw the documentary i'm sure the disc is going to be having a lot of stuff yeah if i can put mobius art in hd on my big ass tv man get me a drop cloth cuz i'm gonna <laughs> <laughs> Great, great, great stuff. Nice. Yep. All right, you're, rede- so they- you're,
0: you're redeemed for, for going twice. Thank you.
1: I didn't, was nah, it wasn't long. That was good. Yeah. You the man, dude. And you know who else are the men and the women? Well, who this? Discount comic book service, because they'll bring <laughs> you your comic sheet. Yeah, yeah. Damn cheap, DCBService.com. If you love comics, that's the only damn place to go. Because you're not going to pay pay a lot for them, and you're going to get a shit ton for what you do pay. That's simple. I can't say it any more plain than that. Get your comics, get them fast, get them cheap, get them delivered right to your door. DCBService.com. I don't have an in your travels. I shot my wad. What? I do. Oh, I shot. make
2: something up. I'm not in, tra- in your travels. In
1: your travels. Read um, Mars Attacks Judge Dredd by IDW. It's awesome. I I read the first what I think it's a five issue series. I read the first um, three. And I gotta say John McCrae, McCree, McCrae, McCree. He has upped his game considerably from the days of Hitman. I mean I think he was great back then. He is unbelievably good now. There's a there's a scene where Dread fights this Insect, bug, creature, th- it's unbelievably rendered. It's just gorgeous. Mm-hmm. Yeah, get it. Uh, Judge Dread Mars Attacks. Wow. And it makes sense. Really? Hmm? Well, you can't beat that. Did you know that that Judge Dredd Batman stuff is in continuity? Yes. I-I had no idea. I just thought it was a deal between you know DC and 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 2080. Yeah, let's put I our, our two big. I ca- that book.
3: I love that book it, so much. I read the shit out of that.
1: They're awesome, yeah. But it's in freaking continuity. That's crazy. Yeah, yeah
3: so, that's one thing I remember when I was after I read it that uh, that they mentioned that. Uh in your travels, um, Uncanny Avengers the. <laughs> Woo-hoo. Uh, you know what? I caught up on, as, as I tend to do, um, cause why well, I just read one issue. I, I caught up on the last three issues of Brian Vaughn and Fiona Staples saga.
1: Mm-hmm. I didn't read 19. I yeah. did read
3: 19 and, um, I'm, I'm, I'm bummed that I didn't read it. Before we had Mario on last week, Um
1: Probably the, right, the bastard spoiler for no, you?
3: No, 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 but I got, I, I, in this day and age when, when, when someone's cryptic and, and is, is, is vague booking and, and doesn't really, obviously, you know, I, you guys may not know this, I, I have a thing about spoilers and, and there's this, uh, <laughs> really, um, you know, there's, there's the right way to do it. Uh, like, just saying, whoa, that was something else last night on that show I watched. Or, or you could actually say, you know, oh my God, at, at, at minute 23 and 38 seconds, when Jack Bauer went and blew that dude's, I was just, you know, just, you don't need to describe everything. But when people were talking, when I've seen- This show's not on anymore. The 24 is back, yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's only a twelve-episode season, but it's back. I had no idea. Um, I think he's like in the UK or some shit. But anyway, uh, so when I saw people talking about, oh my god, oh what a gut punch, oh this, that, and the other, I was expecting something else. And and I get it. I I get that this would be um heavy for some people. I don't. No, once you guys read it, we can talk about it and, 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 um, I don't think I'm dead inside. I just think that I, in this day and age, some things just don't, um, shake me that they do other people. Uh, I was more concerned about things that happened in 18, especially the lion cat and, and, you know, things like that, um, all those, To a more harsh degree, I would have expected to see in nineteen. Nineteen wasn't like that. I get it. I I get why people feel the way they feel about it. I just, like I said, in this, when when people try to shock the shit out of you, you'll never believe what happens at the, you know, when when with these with these clickbait sites and things like that. I expected something else, and and um, Hmm. maybe that's on me. Maybe maybe that's why I I don't want to say I felt let down. I just didn't think they were going there. So we'll I'm um, I'm you know I'll 320 and and see where it goes. It it this is it's
1: Well are you getting down on the book you mean or no, you know? no,
3: no 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 because it's still I mean there were 17 and 18 the whole thing with heist and 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 prince robot and everything else that's going on. I mean that's still that's still heavy doings and and we've uh, we didn't I I guess fast forwards the uh, Way to say it. It's not like we. It's it's not like um family ties. And all of a sudden, Brian bonsall is going to college. And, and even though, like last season, he was just born. It's the, the Hazel. It, Hazel would make
1: a family ties. Record? Hazel
3: has. <laughs> Hazel's walking now. I'm gonna say, you know. So 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 we we did a slight, time jump, but it it's um, but so we've started a new chapter, which which is fine. I'm definitely not down on the book. Um then
1: they leave you hanging, right? Cause isn't there a hiatus at the end of, uh, no, 19? no,
3: 20 comes out at the end of the month, at the end of June. Oh, okay. So no, there is no hiatus right now. Um, but it is, it's between this and, and, and the storyline with the, uh, with the journalists from the last couple issues, you know, there's, it, 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 it's, it's a new chapter where, where we've, um, the family has made a home and, um, and, and that's basically where 19 sets you all up and, and, uh, time has passed and, and, and the family is getting by and doing what families do. And then you get to yeah. the last page and, and that's where a lot of people were kind of like, uh, I don't want to say they lost their shit, but they, they, they read something and, and it, it affected them. And I, uh, it, I, maybe I'm the odd man out but I'm just saying I, I, I it's in your travels I'm telling you to read Saga um,
1: wow yeah. that's, that's one of the few series I buy in single issues I I love it it's so pretty and because I get my books by month stuff like this happens and I can't get my issue until everybody else has read it this is Damn true it. sir we'll
3: right. talk about it when you finally read it yeah
1: no. No. <laughs> or
0: not <laughs> <laughs> <He's> like, <"Yeah." laughs> whatever no I love Jason,
2: the book right? to- in
0: I- six months I- you can tell us how great it was seriously <laughs> so I have two things for you travels sometimes you don't feel like reading sometimes you feel like looking or watching and <laughs> if you're in the mood to the do time. that and I'm not talking about play vid people Aww. although that's good too I am talking about taking yo ass to the theater. Don't give me none of that Godzilla stuff.
1: It's your (laughs) loss. No, I didn't see it. I'm
0: actually going to see it this weekend. I'm just kidding. You just just got that to get under your skin. But in all seriousness, people, I was petrified that this dude was going to screw things up. But as a filmmaker, and I don't want a million emails and tweets and calls about this dude. I understand he may be a despicable human being, and this is very much, let's separate the work from the person because I don't know the person beyond what we're all reading, but Brian Singer, as a director, killed it on X-Men Days of Future Past. Nice. I really thought that there were a lot of ways this film could go wrong, and let's be honest, it's a it's a storyline that is Highly revered among X-Men fans. It's a storyline, though, that is very confusing if if you try to dissect it. And frankly, it's a storyline that while the original source material is great, if I'm being fair, the X-Men have been worse for the story over the last 20 years because it's so commonly gone back to, uh, to the point where it almost doesn't feel important anymore. That's it he managed to do in the same way that the new Star Trek film managed to bridge the old continuity with what we were seeing on the screen. I didn't think he could do it because of the differing ages of the characters and their overlapping timelines. But this bastard figures out a way at the end of this movie to make you walk out and say, Oh yeah, I see how they all tie together. And it's, Awesome. And here's the
2: thing. Maybe
1: he consulted with Remender. Well,
0: no, here's the thing. You know, time travel and retconning and the concepts of multiple parallel universes, these are things that as comic fans, as superhero fans, as science fiction fans, we're familiar with. Right? We can wrap our arms around it fairly easily. But a movie to do well in the theater on a broad basis has to be able to explain these concepts to a lot of people that aren 't necessarily familiar with the trope, my wife included, and my wife came with me all the, the whole family went, and she loved it and she has no ties to the x men she had never heard any of this story she's she's seen the other movies, but she doesn't she actually didn't see first class interestingly enough so so in spite of her having not seen first class, she found this movie to be very enjoyable um, I, There are tons of easter eggs i mean tons of Easter eggs. Uh, it's just, I thought was fantastic. Admittedly, if most people would have given this an A, it gets an A plus for me because blink is in it and she kicks all kinds of ass and she's on screen a lot more than I thought she would be. Um, there's one nitpick that I won't get into until you guys see the movie about Kitty pride. Um, I understand why he did what he did with Kitty because
1: she's not Jewish. No,
0: no, stop it. (laughs) Um, he gives Kitty an ability that she doesn't have, uh, in order to further the story.
1: Oh, that's like the claws coming out of the wrong part of the hand to David. I know. He's not, uh, yeah. I, I, I
0: didn't want to say it before David saw it because she, she, she plays a critical role in the film that she based on a power that she doesn't have in the comics. But, but that said, if oh, you no. can get past that, which I was able to, I thought it was an absolute treat. I adored the film. So, I wanna second see mutation, this now. Second mutation. It's all <laughs> it, 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 it very, it is, it, it's very much a second mutation. I'll tell you after the show ends if you want. I don't want to say it on the air because I don't want to spoil it for people, but, but yes, it is very much a secondary mutation, that's fair to say. <laughs>
1: that's awesome. I gotta see this dude. Dude, and now.
0: Tyrion, Tyrion as, as, yeah, as Trask awesome, is yeah. awesome.
1: Awesome. Really? Yeah. I heard the kid that played Quicksilver, Quicksilver was good, too. The
0: highlight of the film. Really? really? Oh, the, the, He's, he's, shit he's I mean. only in it for one one part of the movie. And absolutely amazing. It's so much fun. Just a total, total treat. Um, Damn. Yeah, I, I tell you what. I, I, I know everyone's mileage may vary, and, and it probably hinges, if you're a comic guy, if you're an X-Men fan or not, how much you liked First Class, how much you liked... X X two, um, but but I'll tell you what uh, Singer did it, man. He he did it. He he brought it all together. All the actors had great chemistry. Um, I would say some of the actors that weren't very good in the prior movies aren't back in these films. Hmm. Um, so yeah, man, I dug it the most. Really did.
1: Maybe, wow. Maybe the
0: minion and I will go see it.
1: You, just a- answer one thing, and this is okay. all I want to know: Does it look like the previous two films?
0: What previous two? I was going to say, you mean previous four films,
1: or no, the first class and what came after first the class. Yeah.
0: Yeah.
1: Does it? Well, does it look like first class? Because I have a real problem with the way the X films. It is. Work. It is
3: a period piece. It's what the seventies and eighties or the
1: seventies.
0: Yeah, this is set in the well, it's it's set in the future and the seventies. Right. Right.
1: Yeah. So, I I thought first class was so dry looking.
0: No, this is this is much richer because. Okay. um there's a lot more action. There, there, you know, there, I mean, because think about what's, what's happening, right? He's, he's, uh, and Hugh Jackman is arguably the star of the movie, if there is one. He's a big ensemble cast, but, but, you know, the premise is just like the comic, the Wolverine is sent back into the past to, to, to write the future. Okay. Um, uh, but, but either way, no, I thought it was, I thought it looked great. It probably is the best looking one. It, it's, it's, I think, I, actually, I like the way it first class looked um but i i know what you're saying and that it, it 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 was a little uh anesthetic at times particularly. clinical um, right yeah um, i i think that's not the case here uh you know, oh nice. singer is subject to the same thing that matthew vaughn is in that regard um uh and, and definitely he i think singer benefits greatly this time out from the leaps in special effects and c g that we've had since the x x or x then x two came out because you, they just look better, right? Um, and and if I'm being completely honest, the worst looking part of the movie is still Storm. I, I don't know why <laughs> really, he must have a he must just <laughs> love Halle Berry because he feels compelled to keep her in the
1: just, movie. Justice is served. <laughs>
0: um, but no, dude, I gotta I gotta yeah, it's it's it gets the two thumbs up. And then I said I had two things. The other thing is just a, a reminder to people um, that uh, another Image comic nail biter uh, number one came out two weeks ago, and number two drops in two weeks. And, uh, we've had the, the good fortune of being able to read, uh, number two already. Uh, and, and it's awesome, dude. I love this idea. Um, just to reminder to people, it's, there's a town in Oregon called Buckaroo. And for some reason this, this little town has spur- has spawned 16 different serial killers, uh, over its history and,
1: um, an NSA. It's Jersey. What's that? It's like Jersey. Oh, stop.
0: And, Sorry. An NSA agent has to pair up with this guy, the nail biter. Um, who is an in-prison Hannibal lecter style serial killer to figure out what happened to his best friend who happened to be an FBI profiler sent to the town. Uh, and, uh, I think the quote that I saw on the image site says it best, uh, Mr. Scott Snyder said, if, J- uh, it's written by Josh Williamson. He said, if Josh died, I wish he'd leave nail to me in his will so I could say it was my idea.
2: <laughs> uh,
0: Mike Henderson does a great job on the art. Another Heroes con attendee, by the way. woot. Um And uh yeah, I'm having a blast with this. This is this is definitely nasty horror. Uh So if that's up your alley, I know I know Zach and and uh, and Vince are both horror fans in particular. So yeah. it's, it's definitely worth your attention.
1: You know what else comes out tomorrow from Image? What? Southern Bastards number two. Oh yes. Nice. Yeah. Yep. Get on that. Nice yeah. so Zach, what do you got,
4: buddy? Uh I got one. I got one that I got uh, at my very own show at that appleseed thing I mean, of that the kids seem to like. Um, it is called Momator and the Conqueror uh Momotor and the Conquerors of the Cosmos. And it's um, it's by Ben Avery and Tim Barron, And it is the first of uh sort of a three comic deal where they're doing these sort of uh, homage send ups of eighties toys uh that were, you know, you know 80s toys come licensed property. So this one is uh, is obviously He-Man and Masters of the Universe. And the thing that the thing that made me pick this up right away was the cover. The cover is has the main character Momotor, who is this sort of He-Man avatar and he looks like a He-Man toy on the front. But the the cover is designed to look exactly like the old Masters of the Universe blister packs and it's even ah, it's nice. even got it's even got like the old uh you know, like Belmont Stores or Ben Franklin, whatever, wherever your toy store was as a kid, like the little sticker tag on there from the Garby Gun.
1: Um, nice. Is that the name of the gun? Yeah. For real? Yeah,
4: Garby Guns. Nice. I, I know that because I used to work at a Walmart, and we had to use Garby Guns all the time for the fresh produce. Um Anyway... Uh so the book itself is is besides the cover the book itself is really cool it's fun it's um it's only 32 pages but it's a complete story and it's about Mummator, who is a mummy just like a living undead cursed mummy who uh has a gem on his forehead he pushes the gem on his forehead and that turns him into this sort of he-man um archetype and he has to he has to do battle with this king evil faces and king evil faces it's a very um it's a very uh, he man cartoon type uh villain plot where he 's going around stealing people 's faces so that they will give him the information he needs and then Motore has to come in and bash him on the head with his club and that sort of thing um and it's it's adorable it's it's really i say adorable and that sounds like it's it's not cutesy but it's it's very tongue in cheek um and it's it's just it was a it was a real pleasure to read it. And at the very end they even do the thing like at the you know, the end of the filmation cartoons where Orco or somebody comes up and like, and the moral of this lesson uh, of of this issue or the story was and they give the moral about wa some moral about washing your hands before you eat and that sort of thing. Um but anyway, it's super great. Uh and I've read some of Tim's other work, not all of it, um but he put out a book not too long ago called um Life, the Life and Times of Julius Destructus, which I read, it was with the same, um, co-author, uh, Ben Avery, which I really enjoyed. So, and if, uh, folks want to find this, they can find it at lifesizemonsterghost.com.
1: Oh, that's awesome!
4: That's what the URL? Yeah. Nice! And, and uh, some of these, some of these splash pages with Mummator and with the pyramid that he, that's like his castle are just astounding i mean really pretty to look at um and i wish i wish tim would draw more often um, but i know that there's two more books coming out in this sort of series uh, one is a transformer send up and then the other is uh, a g.i joe book so but anyway it's it's fantastic i hope people i hope lots of people read it nice the end
1: I, i'm gonna get in on you that.
4: should you'll i think you'll like it Um you know i will it's it's something that um i mean anyone who likes he-Man, I think, would enjoy this book. Um, so it's, I wonder if Sealy yeah, knows oh, Val Staples. Val <laughs> Staples, Tim Sealy, this Surely this is something they would at least get a kick out of, if not...
0: Don't so. call me Shirley. <laughs>
2: <laughs> uh,
1: well, great was stuff. That, we got to thank uh, Mr. Zach for being here with us this week. Yeah, oh, no doubt. Thanks for having me. I love talking to you so guys. Th- You're going to have a
0: three-day con next week, next year? No. <laughs> uh, Slack. I don't know
4: no it's slacker holy shit Uh no just two days two days again but I'm going to push hard for Jaime Hernandez I'm going to push as hard as I can to, to do that
0: we'll see well, you're, you're going to push hard to, to
4: have your favorite podcasters there right yeah Ben's going to be there <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> uh-huh. You have to put out a podcast. podcast oh yeah, that's true. Um, but yeah, of course. Yeah, why wouldn't I? That would be amazing.
1: That would be fun. Would it would be awesome. a great
4: time. We could drive out there easy peasy. Yep, awesome. It, yo, we
1: did once already, twice. Yes. 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 Hi, everybody. Um, thank you for being here with us. We're so glad you came. And if you're so inclined, please. Leave us an iTunes review on that uh that that uh, thing Thanks. that the Apple's got going on there, um, and come to our forum, David. Yeah, do that. Huh. Uh, where can oh, they find? Oh,
3: that's where you with that. You can find us at uh dot slash forum.
0: And follow okay, us on David. Twitter too.
1: Yes, and the Facebooks we're on there.
0: Yeah, now we are. <laughs> yeah, no, you no. know this, which was Vince's way of saying I finally joined Facebook finally decade.
1: I, I haven't come, figured,
0: come and look at me at chair shit. The,
1: no i I haven't figured out our page yet like can anybody make let anybody in there
3: yeah unless unless you want to change it Ed, other members can I, approve I, it, other members all
1: right and it's <laughs> I mean it was intended to discuss things from our show right
3: Yeah, it's uh, an extension of the uh, form. It's, it's just, you know, it's a Facebook page where, for other people who want to share things or links or.
1: Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. All right. It's got a little bit confused because I went on there and there was a bunch of stuff that didn't relate to anything we talked about or
3: whatnot. Yeah. Yeah,
1: Yeah. 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 It's weird, but I like it. I like it all. Yes. Uh, jump on us on the the Facebooks and the Twitter we're we're on all the time uh, because we just love you so much and and we can't live without you. I, love you. I do, I really well, do. I'm David. not kidding. say good night, David. Hey, David. <laughs> <Hey>, David. <laughs> Hot Woot! Thanks, Zach. Yes. Yes. So, I, uh, wait. No. Still recording. Uh, <laughs> 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 Bye. Doctor. You sound it? Turn your head and clap.
2: Sure shot, bummer clock. Ain't no movie like the one i got. I'm the one man band with the studio tab. I got more jams than your mom's got ham. I'm up and I'm down and I'm everywhere with my funk up style. I suck the MCs gonna bite that dust. Eat all your bread and leave the crust. I'm to stay on the microphone. I'm I'm back in my Mercedes. I'm getting down the business I'm pumping out my babies. I'm pumping out my babies.